This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul Ohl of High Priest of Egypt. Oh, hi, I'm Misa, resident Egyptian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hi, I'm Will. Trish. Hi, I'm Trish. There she My is. empire is of the imagination. Ooh. <laughs> wow. This is a pretty big book, I would say. I was saying it was 16 hours when I was saying how hard it is to listen to podcasts when you do 16-hour book back-to-back um, in a week. But it's not true. It's only 12 hours. But it sure is jam-packed, this book. Um, jam-packed with ideas uh, and then uh, I, I did all the movies. I can't believe I did all the movies. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also did both audio dramas, um, and the co- one and a half comic books. And I didn't do the cartoon that, uh, that Paul said there was a, a cartoon adaptation. I didn't do that, but I did pretty much all of them and they're all sort of mishmashing, sloshing together in my brain. So I will have some questions as to what actually happened in the book. <laughs> uh, like, for example, let's start with uh, the ending. Um, what <laughs> happened to Job? He died, right? He died. Yes. And it's it was Job. his weak nerves. Okay, um, but it like, was, it's Job, not Job. Yes, please, Job. <laughs> okay, Job. so the narrator Job. in the audiobook we listened to, I think his pronunciation was off on that. There was a few other issues with the narration, but it's the only commercial one that I could find. In any case, um, he died. Um, this is sad. I like Job. I, I found him yeah. to be... He's, he's the every everyday man character in this whole narrative that we can follow along. I mean, he's not the expert or or a hero he's he's just the guy we can follow along and who trudges along in the wake of these two guys as they go deeper deeper into africa so yeah no no you've got it wrong he has a very specific he's not that general paul he has a very specific descendant and that person's name is sam gamgee (laughs) seriously think about it you got a point okay i'll Uh, buy that Okay. He also uh, exists as a a bearer of more direct, less pleasant language about uh, various peoples than uh, our narrator. He is cor- uh, he's Professor correct. Holly. He is correct. Oh well, no, he's not correct in his his uh, racist assumptions. However, um, he's correct in that. Um, uh, she's evil. <laughs> well, he's right about that. <laughs> yeah, they they don't see it. Um, but uh, uh, let's let's get the uh, elephants out of the room. <laughs> I don't think this is a racist book at all. I don't think uh, I was thinking about uh, like I, I was anticipating it, and certainly I think it it's uh, if you don't look at it all that closely if you're looking at it from a distance you could just assume that it's racist but i watched all those movies right <laughs> and what i, I noticed know watch, jesse i watched i watched four i watched the 1925 the 1935 the 1965 and the 2001 and mm-hmm. there's there's like more but the most they don't really exist like there's a 1909 
And you missed. You didn't give us the homework to watch the. Oh, the, and I did the, watch the eighty four as well. Oh yeah, did I you did. Watch the Flash Gordon no, cartoon episode. I did not watch <laughs> the Flash Gordon cartoon episode. I, I I forgot, and I sort of ran out of time. I also watched the nineteen eighty four one, which is not really an adaptation at all. But it, <laughs> oh god, the I, I was part, watching that when we were we were just starting the call. I was finishing it up. Okay. great film, perfect <laughs> film. Okay, well. Will's a troll. <laughs> Will is a troll. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jesse, I disagree vehemently well, with you, you yeah, about the yeah. racism, but we can get uh, into that later. On, I have Trish. a lot of notes on this, I'm, Jesse. <laughs> Trish, I'm just laying out my case, and you want to... Okay. Uh, I'm just saying... Continue with your case, okay. Jesse. <laughs> so the case, the case is like this, okay? Um, what I noticed in the adaptations, and the, none of them are faithful, not a single one. Mm-hmm. Um, some are way less faithful, and some are incredibly faithful faithful in some parts and none of them are faithful all the way through or at all even the very excellent misa 2006 i think it's the best adaptation even i think it's even better than the book the 2001 oh, you mean see that one audio audio drama oh, the oh, the audio drama. Drama. oh yes oh, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah. that was excellent with that tim mcinerney i think his name he was from blackadder he playing horace holly yeah it's just a it's a whoever wrote it um very very wise person um very interesting things um even that one has some non-faithful stuff in it and i understand why that might happen you have to compress 12 hours down into two but one of the things that you notice in all of these adaptations is that they they don't usually set it in africa like sure it can be set in africa but it doesn't have to be the 2001 is set in samarkand or east of there. Central Asia, and, yeah. And filmed in Bulgaria, right? Um, that was filmed? Apparently, yeah. That, that's a, wild. It is a very strange idea. But um, there's also the one set in the Arctic for some reason. Yeah. That, 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 <laughs> Who, well, who's that? That's, that's a like, 35. What, what are they thinking? I don't know. So, Where did they set the 1925 one? I, I couldn't I, I think tell. it is Africa. I th- but it's also silence. <laughs> it's silent, but they were. And they're all there mashed was a Big together. mix of people in there. Yeah. So uh, one of the one of the reasons I think you would have it set in Samarkand is because you you you're filming in Bulgaria and there's not a lot of black folks. It's very hard to uh, fill up that uh, cast of thousands with with <laughs> with black faces uh, if they're all from Bulgaria, right? All these uh, extras. So uh, there's that. Um, setting it in the north, I, I don't know, Ultima Thule in the 35 um, doesn't make a lot of sense either. But again, well, if they're it, filming it, does, it in it, Germany... It, it, does, it, it does make sense in the sense that because, uh, when we get into the whole themes of the book, it makes sense to set it there rather than I Africa. Agree. But we can get when we get to themes of the book, we can go to that. I agree. But, but that, I can see the logic of it. So one of the things that happens is we actually have a sh- a shells of of locations. We start off in in the UK and then we get this backstory about how you know this ancestor came out of uh out of uh Africa and um uh, Greece and uh, Egypt Rome. and right all mm-hmm. all out back to the UK and then we've got this um visit to Zanzibar uh which is off the east coast of Africa, right? Um, and the storm, and then they go on up the river, and suddenly they're in, you know, the land of Kor. Um, the race of the people uh, on the out, the outer part, it sounds like they are, um, 
I don't know, Egyptian, Arabic, uh, black. And then the inner people, they're even more uh, fictional. And I think this is, uh, although Ryder Haggard, you know, he was he lived in Natal in South Africa. I don't think he's really telling a story about a specific r- racial group. Well, and, he, he, well, yeah, that inner that inner is going for the whole lost civilization. Exactly. Thing. So they're <laughs> basically Tharks. They're not, or you know, the red people of Mars. They're not. They're not a stereotype of anybody in particular because they're completely fictional. So Aisha is princess of helium, is what you're saying? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, although uh, I would say she's mo- a lot more like Galadriel. Or um, uh, she is the prototype for Galadriel. She, yeah, that's so I much, am. so much Galadriel. Yes. But uh, connecting her back even earlier, Jesus Christ, dudes, she's Cersei. She's oh. a wizard, mm-hmm. an immortal wizard, right? Or in this case, a sorcerer. He even says it in the book. He repeats. It's so he interesting, hears. right? Yeah. So um, I expected all this uh, racism when I went in, but um, what I noticed is in the 2006 audio drama, they actually killed off one of the characters um, from the shipwreck that is in the book. And that's the, I think his name is Mohammed. Am yeah, I wrong? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so he doesn't exist in the 2006. And so when uh, it well, comes... Well, he, he, he does exist. He gets mentioned. He doesn't actually have a speaking role because cause when they when they wash up on the shore, they say, oh, there's just the, just the three of us and Mohammed. But Mohammed really does, has, says like three words and then he gets killed. Well, who, how does he get killed? I believe I, I believe it's the hot pot is in the, in the audio drama, isn't it? They do no. the same thing as in the novel. No, they they're going to put the three white dudes from England in the hot pot, whereas in the book they are going to put the uh, the brown man in the hot pot, right? They're going to mm-hmm. cook the the guy who is not. And so in the audio drama, it's very interesting. They fear for their own lives. They're they're cannibals, right? The, the the cannibals are going to eat them. They fear for their own lives. The, it's very it's a very powerful scene, but that scene is not how it is in the book. In the book, Mohammed's the one under threat, and they come to his rescue. As far as, far as I can remember, or attempt to come who to comes his to his rescue? yes, they attempt to come to his rescue. They the, attempt to, the but three, he dies. Uh, yeah. Job yeah. and um, yeah. Ollie and Leo come to yeah. his rescue. Um, and that's how they get into that fight, and that's how you know they end up uh, with all that punishment and the judgment scene later on. Is that they're actually defending one of their own group from, you know, being anthropophagued. Right, and, and it's implied <laughs> that the reason why they do this is because Job re- uh, rejected the advances of one of the tribe, and so as revenge, he decided to cook Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're resentful of uh, the orders of she, and uh, they're not allowed to eat the whites <laughs> because of her her rules, right? But uh, this other guy doesn't count. So I thought that was interesting. When, when in the audio drama, they're defending their own lives, they kill people in anticipation of being cooked, but it turns out it's a goat. So that's actually playing up the idea that this is a racist book. Whereas that actual book doesn't actually say that. It's very interesting, right? So, like, the idea of uh, hot pots and, you know, cannibals uh, eating uh, 
I mean, this is a cartoon, right? Or literal, like in a magazine where you see uh, two explorers in pith helmets um, sitting in a hot pot and saying, my, it's getting rather warm. This bath is, you know, or, you know, all those Bugs Bunny cartoons where he's being cooked, right? Uh, this, uh, this is where we assume it comes from. But that's not actually exactly how it's, it's more complex than that. And that's one of the things I'm thinking. This isn't a super racist book at all. And I don't think it's really about that. Like, it's not focused on race. So when Will, you said something to that effect on Twitter, I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? So I want you to lay out your case. And I, it sounds like Trish has a case to lay out. But I didn't find this book very racist at all. I found it kind of delightful in, and not racist. I think it's about other way other stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of things going on in this book, and we can talk about some of the stuff other than the like the race stuff. Oh yeah, uh, but uh, so like um, I kind of want to talk about like the Amahaga, right? This like fictional people that mm-hmm. uh, live around Core, and uh, I think didn't it say that they were the descendants of the people of this city who had like intermingled with like other people yeah, and like regenerated into these like uh you know like strange looking yellow people mm. um so there's this kind of like this myth of racial degeneration that yep. is like at the center of what's going on here like uh you know the amahager used to be civilized like you know however many thousands of years ago uh and now they're like living in this uh, strange society, practicing these customs that are uh, the inversion of British customs. I, I mean, they come e- out... Eminently civilized, right? Uh, the women get to choose the men, and men have to just live with women's choices. <laughs> well, yeah, I, like um, I think that's part of... Yeah, I mean, I do think that that's, like, one of the savage tropes here. Um, <laughs> but uh, the... Uh, no, I mean, like, in context, that's, like, uh, supposed to be, like, a symbol of their savagery. I guess, um, but but you're reading that in, aren't you? He doesn't say, uh, even if the characters say, I don't think Haggard says, see, I, I made these guys real uncivilized by having them, have women be sort of in charge of, you know, whether. No, but he did say, he did say every couple of hundred years we, we slaughter them to remind them who's the strong ones. Okay. Well, I thought it was the younger women kill all the older women. I thought it was the men who, who, uh, who had to say had enough, like, okay, this is enough. And they killed them all. And yeah, started I think again. it was the men. I think you're right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bilali talks about how his wife had gotten killed in one of these purges. Yeah. Like, oh well. Yeah. See, this is what I'm saying. Is this is this is book about gender and gender relations, not oh, about definitely. race. Well, there's that too. It's uh, it's 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 both. It's it's a lot of things, Jesse. Oh, it is, is so many things. Paul. It is so yeah. many things. That's so. I, I'm still not hearing a lot of super racism. Sorry, I didn't think of it as especially racist like while I was reading it, except that the woman in charge is Snow White. And like she goes on and on and is on she about though? her white arms and is her white she fingers. And she has ivory breasts. She, does, she is called white, but she's actually Arabic, right? I know, but yeah, but you know, even in, even in Arab countries... It's it's still a thing. The whiter you are, the more beautiful you are. Well, like, yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, but that's uh, that's but a very common. It is a across. common thing, but but so in this book, like 
Commonness does not make it not race. Yeah, but that, no, no, yeah. but that's not race. That's gender again. So. No, no, it's race. No. It's, she's I disagree. White. She's white. The white woman came in, and and she's the mo- she's the the goddess almost of she these people. She is definitely yeah. She is uh, yeah. she's the evil white, goddess. It, it, Yes, she's an evil goddess, but it's evil white savior syndrome. I mean, she's the one that's <laughs> holding this this society together. And mm. if she falls, then then what's left of the society is going to de- is going to fall further. So yeah, there, there's all sorts of colonialist themes that Haggard subconsciously or consciously can't tell was was writing into this narrative. Well, yes, 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 she's a woman, a but, 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 but but the whole whiteness is kind of like staring you in the face there, Jesse. Well, well, and, and going going back go to the, the Emma Hogger here, like, uh, you know, they're not black, but they're a vehicle for all of the, the tropes that were in the colonial literature at the time about black people. It's just uh, like, they're, it's like an inversion of British people. It's not like a relationship with reality. It's just, we have this myth of Africa and mm. there's these uh, people there who have the inversion of our customs. Uh, I mean, the hot potting. They're like, uh, I mean, Holly comes out and says, "Oh, it's an inversion of our hospitality. They yes. take hospitality <laughs> from the visitor, and they yeah. like hot pot you." And the uh, I have a good uh, I have a good thing from this uh, this book on the the cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I, I read this book, uh, "The Africa That Never Was," by uh, a couple of people named. Uh, Dorothy Hammond and uh, Alta Jablo. Um, I think it was originally published in the 70s. Um, and they have this idea that uh, if you look at like the whole canon of British writing about Africa from the past like 400 years, um, these like uh, different tropes arise. And the cannibalism is just, uh, you know, the, here's how they kind of situate it. Um, uh, besides the political value of the theme as a justification for colonialism, uh, the commercial value of literary sensationalism cannot be ignored as a motive for its perpetuation. Cannibal stories were titillating enough uh, to ensure increased sales of books, and few writers were averse to exploiting the theme. European readers are accustomed to cannibalism as a literary theme. Mm -hmm. It is an integral part of the fairy tales and nursery rhymes, and adults uh, still respond with avid interest to tales of cannibalism, especially when presented as one of the, quote, realities of African life. So valuable an adjunct to the literary tradition was the theme of cannibalism, that it remained one of the most persistent conventions. Uh, The most important contribution of the cannibalism theme to the entire literary tradition is that it provides uh, a vivid new variation of the beastly savage image of the African. It underlines in a most dramatic fashion that African behavior is the negation of European values. Um, so it's just sort of like you have these tropes like that, like the, the sort of semi-matriarchal culture is definitely one of the tropes. Another one of them is, uh, uh, like, so these are like, like the Amahogger are all undifferentiated from each other, except for like the two who are noble savages, like the named characters, mm-hmm. um, Eustain mm-hmm. and Bilali. Uh, but, Bilali's uh, a, a favorite character. I love him. Yeah. Oh, he, he's like, uh, you know, uh, one of the best characters in the novel, my baboon. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so you have that. And then, uh, the structure of their society where you have like this despot, uh, Asia and like, then it's just like total chaos underneath her. That's like a recurring trope in the British literature on Africa. Well, I, I have no problem with all that, but uh, what I would say is 
falsify it, right? If it can't be falsified, I, I don't. So, for example, um, there is a lot of talk about uh, cannibalism in other literatures uh, of other peoples around the world. And that's because there is actually, uh, I used to think, uh, as I heard, you know, before I did the actual research, that cannibalism was, it was mythological, that people didn't actually ever do it. And that's not true. There are people who, I assume that they're still doing it, they did last time I checked, um, sort of ritualistic cannibalism of, of their loved ones. There was a whole head hunting thing that was definitely... Um, it was about taking the power from the enemy. It's not a, like uh, you know, doing it for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was it was a um, activity that you did in times of war or in uh, other situations. And it's in you know, it's it's in other cultures other than African. Right? It's all over the world. In fact, you know, Christianity's got a whole thing going on it that is. It's it's a holy thing, and when when you talk to Catholics about it, they don't think it's all gross. They think it's wonderful, right? Because it's <laughs> because it's 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 in the same way that the the folks who are doing it um, for their relatives think it's wonderful. Is it uh, you know a sexy tub, a subject for uh, Europeans who are you know buying up books to read about? Absolutely. Um, Melville's uh, most famous book, Type B. Which we've done on this podcast is all most about famous book. No, that's his no, most famous book. No, no, in his lifetime. He, oh, really? Moby okay. Dick was I, nothing. I think you need to clarify that before every listener says, "Wait a minute, what about Moby Dick?" <laughs> Typey blew him up in a way that almost nobody was being blown up. In the you know, he was like a, the biggest American writer ever uh, when that when that book blew up. Um, you know, he it, it was a sensation in the United States. It was a sensation in the UK, and he could never recapture it. Even though he, you know, he did pretty well with the next few books. Um, when Moby Dick came out, nobody nobody was thought it before it. or after Moby Dick. Oh, it was his first book. Yeah, so it was his first book. Yeah, yeah amazing story. But it, it's all about the fear of cannibalism. It's all over that book. And of course, yeah, what, yeah we discussed that. Right. Yeah. And w- what's so interesting is that everyone else finds that the other people are doing the cannibalism, right? On the same island, they're the cannibals. The scary typees are not the, the cannibals. And sure, maybe they do it, but not in the way that those other guys do it, where they just they hunt you down and they eat, cut you up and they make a meal out of you. Well, the way we do it, <laughs> we love this person. All the members of the family want to have a part of them forever and, and be with them. You know, that, that carnal spiritual connection. So, um, yeah, I, I would say uh, theoretically that sounds right. But let's, uh, let's find a falsifiable situation. So I, I'm moving on. I want to I get past the cannibalism. <laughs> and I think that's probably the worst uh, attribute. Uh, uh, towards racism in the book? Am I wrong? Is there anything else left to say there? Well, he didn't have anything good to say about any people who were not... Well, he had very little to say that was good about uh, people that were not Englishmen. He throws casual slurs around about Irishmen and Greeks, and um, I there may have been others that I didn't make note of. Uh, I don't remember. I agree with you that this is not the most racist work in the in the world. You know, uh, it's there were times when I was cruising along quite pleasantly, thinking this isn't so bad, and even one very happy moment when uh, 
Holly said that Balali was a true gentleman uh, at heart, or actually at the bottom, he said. But then a page later, he was wanting to kick Balali because he was uh, prostrating himself and um, saying saying that he felt like uh, an Irishman driving a pig to market. Right, I've seen that right there, yeah. Some just really unpleasant (laughs) passages. Uh, Oh, the whole crew of... um, Muslims that they had the boat and uh, he was watching them because he was sure they were all thieves and sneaks and stuff. And so it's, it's in there, Jesse. It's not the most prominent feature of the book. uh, And a lot of it is casual, but I mean, he, he says our insular prejudices are most of them based on uh, common sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but, I don't like the looks of I don't like the looks of these black gentry. They have a such wonderful thievish way about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the uh, text says for itself. Uh, 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 let me just ask you this though: Was that before or after they uh, attacked Muhammad? Because if it that was, was before, that was before. So that was, that was before we ever have the. Uh, that's that's on the ship. Tur- tur- oh, on the ship! Black amours in their filthy thieving ways. They only fit for muck they are, and they smell bad enough for it already. All right, all right. So apparently, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, yeah, I'm missing. I, I, you know, honestly, I spent so much time thinking during this book. I was like, damn, I'm missing stuff. I know I'm missing stuff. He, so I'm glad he also, not. He also calls Leo, who who apparently looks like his father, yes. who was Greek, but he said he's the most English, he's so beautiful, he's the most English-looking man you could ever see. Well, that's a compliment. Even though he's half Greek. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's a, a compliment. It's a right. compliment. He's just complimenting him. <laughs> oh, right, right, okay. right, but he's saying despite he's being half Greek, he looks English, so it's he like... He looks English. He, right. he didn't have the character of the modern Greek, which is like droopy or something. I yes. mean, like, like, it's, uh, I mean, even in your dealings with, like, uh, Job, like, there's a bit of the, like, race science and social Darwinism. Mm. Like, he's talking about how the, like, the poor English people don't have, like, as strong a genes as the more, like, like gentlemanly English people. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there at the end, like, Job's, Job, who, like, is a noble, like, servant, his, his weak genes give out and he, he has to die. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that, they almost died, the though, too, at least, you know. Uh, both of them were pretty haggard after the uh, after But they the had stronger the genes. They got I out. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I, okay, so this is the perfect time to talk. So I, I, I admit and now see that there are definitely some instances of of um, yucky racism in here. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't uh, notice them. I was so interested in all the stuff. So, guys, I'm totally obsessed with this, this trio. We've got uh, Horace, and I started making a, a, a game. Uh, oh I, yeah, um, I'm working on it. it. It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> uh, board game based on <laughs> on a bunch of not this not this book, but all the characters that uh, are the public domain stuff. And, and Horace Baboon Holly is going to be one of them, I think. Um, and the reason <laughs> I think this is so cool is that Horace is a baboon, Leo is a lion, right? He's even got this mane, this golden mm-hmm. mane, right? Yeah. And and Job is a pig. Now, yeah. what's so fun is is that this is again going back to Cersei, and she did oh. you notice she's a snake? 
Oh, she's mm. she's very her movements are very. I know, and he right? calls her a snake too. He Absolutely. says she's like a snake. And, and your movements are described as yeah, being uh, undulating. Undulating. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. She's 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 definitely uh, she's a when only two people get to see her in the book, right? Um, uh, Horace yeah, they both become obsessed with her, and yeah. the description that Horace gives of her over and over again is a terrible beauty, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, the question is like, what's under those uh, wrappings? Because this is uh, I'm I'm going to get my massive one page notes out that I like furiously like filling in more and more things. I'm like, this is going to go crazy. I better stop doing this. Um, (laughs) Right at the top is immortality, right? The number of times this comes, you know, that's sort of what this is about. This book is about how this book got into, into the hands of H. Ryder Haggard, the editor, right? Um, That's the framing device. So, and uh, three arrows are coming out of immortality on my thing. One is the flame. Right, she says that she's had a candle burning uh, in this place for two thousand years. Like, wow, that's a lot of work, yo. Um, <laughs> Mummification—that's straight out of the Egyptian right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and notice what do they do with the mummies? They light them on fire and make a bonfire. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. What is going on? What is this? What well, is but the that, but that here? actually did happen in real life. I mean, so some some mummy some mummies that they found in Egypt were basically used for firewood. So oh, sure. That's, and, that, that's and, not yeah. that's not a historical. But get this, get this also, Paul. Um, very common in the 19th century when mummies were getting super hot. This is probably early 19th century, so 18. 18- 20s through the so yeah so yeah that's the early right there was a mummy craze in england and france at least but not just unwrapping them and we've got the scarab here as well but also eating them yeah mummy dust yes as as a a medicine freaky deaky yo so (laughs) these guys have been preserved uh for thousands of years so if you eat them you become uh better like your health yeah so like i saying it's it's a lot about cannibalism even in europe right (laughs) they just don't when we do it it's cool (laughs) when they do it it's gross disgusting um uh, the irish woman driving that pig to market uh is is um driving job to the hot pot right in in one adaptation i think it is job they try to eat uh, because he's he's pig like, but going back to her being Circe, right? Do you remember on the island when Odysseus lands, he uh, he sends one of his dudes inland. I don't know, they're working on the boat or something, and uh, all oh no, a bunch of their dudes in that, all of them uh, drink and uh, enjoy her food except for one who like is a little bit sly and. He figures, um, I'll just hold off on this drinking here. They act like pigs and are turned into pigs But what uh, at the dinner table. But what we also notice, and it's never really mentioned in, you know, it's never explained in the story, um, is that there's lots of other animals there, including wolves and lions. What there it's isn't... Menagerie. It yeah. is a menagerie. But, and they're all enslaved to her, right? They, they live, they don't... Like, the lion can be right next to the pig, and it doesn't attack it, right? They're all tame, which is really interesting. It's about women uh, being dominant. A lot of those uh, island visits are about, you know, different kinds of uh, cultures and how they're all bad (laughs) and maybe not so good, or maybe this part's exciting, but, right? So 
in different explorations that Philip K. Dick story, uh, Strange Eden, uh, the mm-hmm. guy's turned, Brent is turned into a tamed lion, um, and he hates it, but what can he do? He's, he's been tamed by the, wi- uh, the witch, right? The lady with the, with the wand, the first wand in, in human literature, as, as a wand is a magical instrument. And then what's missing from that menagerie is Horace Baboon Holly. There is no baboon. There's no monkey. There's no ape. And it's explicitly called out several times, at least twice, I think, in the book, that uh, he, that Horace has been reading. He's a, I think, I don't think it says in the book, but they say he's a, uh, in the Department of Literature, or no, what's uh, Ancient Languages or something at Cambridge. Yeah, but yeah. but I don't think that's actually in the book. Is that? I mean, the, the ancient something. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, he they know the languages, and that's just standard. And of course, Leo's been taught it. But this idea of of this guy who's got a keen mind, and then he's got a freaky body that is reminding everyone of Darwin. What's his girlfriend say? Who dumps him? It says, "Oh, you did. You didn't get that money. You we're expecting. Let's go look at the mirror at each other in the mirror. Look at me, and look at you. And this is beautifully done in the audio drama, the 2006. It's it's just brutal. Whereas in the book, it's very. Um, you know, he talks about how this happened. It, we actually see it or, or listen to it in the audio drama. Um, and this is so interesting because what happens is when he sees Aisha or however you pronounce her name, she does the same thing to him." Right? She says, look at me, Holly. And what's he do? He faints. <laughs> he, he wakes up and gets up off the floor and says, what happened? Oh, I saw you. <laughs> right? And then uh, she says, and look at you. You're funny looking, aren't you? And look at me. I'm beautiful. And you can't have me, but your son or quasi-son. And this is all, this is so interesting. It's like, what, what is all this? It's never explicitly uh, called out in the same way that it's never explicitly, you know, explained in in s- the story of Circe. It's just there, and then that whole ending. Like, why does she die, yo? <laughs> it's never explained. But there's some providence. <sighs> That's what their uh, shitty explanation is, right? It's, you can never step into the same flame twice. No, twice. She, but she's yes. done it before, right? That she's she's done it before, hasn't she? This isn't the, the first time. I don't know. I don't think she's ever done it before because she's never had what is ostensibly the reincarnation of her love in front of her. So she's never had to. Hmm. You mean step into it a second time? Yeah, she's never had to. I mean, she, she did it once. She's immortal. And she only does it to try to get... get uh, Leo yeah, she hasn't it. been back there. She hasn't been back there mm. until now. So she couldn't have done it again. Hmm. Maybe she took right. him away. They all took him away. Yeah, I'm thinking and, the, and now she's coming back. In the book, that's I think that's right. Um, I'm just thinking of all the other ones where they usually show her dancing in the flames. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's not that, yeah, that's a, yeah. the flames yeah, that's versus a, the gauze. Um, I, Will, I was tweeting. Probably saw this. I don't know if y'all else did, but. And it's it's so explicit in the book. She's basically wrapped like a mummy all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. Can't, she's mm-hmm. she's not just behind a gauzy curtain. She's literally wrapped, um, veiled in every respect. And 
uh, why is she doing that? That's kind of weird. <laughs> is it because she grew up in an Arab culture? I don't think so. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's for uh, like she's 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 too pretty. She's too pretty. <laughs> like I mean, it's really like this woman is too beautiful that it makes men stupid and it makes her evil. Dude, uh, she has she has Darth Vader powers. Yeah. She can, she can yeah, choke, like, force choke people across the room. So, so she's saying here she's a Aisha's a Sith. That yes, mind she's an evil blown. Jedi. Mind blown. Seriously, uh, like she says, she can kill people with a look, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she does. And she does. Um, as like I was thinking, maybe that's why Job died. Um. But I also was thinking, like, maybe the reason she died is because she didn't... Uh, what's, uh, what's really interesting here is, like, why is Vinci, Leo, go on this trip? His dad is obsessed with it. Well, you know, not everybody has to do what their dad says, right? Um, why is he going <laughs> on this trip? He's kind of curious. I understand a little bit of curiosity. But his name... Is a is you know means revenge basically means right? avenger avenger, yeah, avenger. right and, 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 and that's not really carried well in well any of the adaptations except for the novel it's like yeah he's doing it as a revenge for his ancestors yeah but he doesn't act what like he's he's like on a no he doesn't right no he, he goes and he gets just besotted. wants a grand adventure mm-hmm. yes how yeah. are you going to look at that and yeah you have all this money what are you going to do with yourself. Oh, absolutely. And the mystery. And He's after like, the mystery, yeah. too. Yeah, it's the mystery. And, and all the women love him already, so he doesn't have that as a but Wait, quest, uh, right? Hold on. Do and, the women love him, or has he not been around women at all his entire life? Wasn't no. that like... No, they wasn't said, there a they weird said that the women like were that? fawning over him all over campus, right? Oh, terrible for him. <laughs> um, but uh, although you can say he doesn't have a reason to fo- to follow his father's instructions but actually he's doing it partly i think as a rebellion against his uh adoptive father because mm-hmm. holly scoffs at the the stuff in the box and uh tries very hard to discourage leo so mm-hmm. i think maybe that partially stiffens leo's resolve to go do this thing but then yeah. but then uh i love that leo oh sorry that that um Horace, he gets this excitement, right? It's like, well, you know, there's probably a lot of good shooting down there. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I love, I love me going hunting, killing birds up. and buffalo. I think, I think there's something about youth being being much more inquisitive and, and interested in everything in sure. this book too. Um, and that, I, that's what I'm saying is that's I think that's why she she says come into this flame he ends up fulfilling his his atavistic destiny right and yeah. that's why she dies is because she's she's get she's gotten what she wanted which is him back after killing him which is crazy right uh and he doesn't seem to have any resentment for that <laughs> you know in his ancestral form it's like oh yeah you killed me and you know in different uh movie adaptations they they you know show that vision like the Peter Cushing, uh, Christopher Lee one, right? They actually show him being stabbed by her. Yeah, that, he's that's been what... mesmerized. He has been wizarded. He's been, yeah, he's been, you can't yeah. blame him for that. Yeah, that, that's one thing the movie adaptations 
just chuck off about Horace Holly completely. The whole baboon th- looking baboon thing is gone. Like Peter yes. Cushing does not look like a baboon. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Sorry. No. He looks like no, a sorry. elk hound or something. No, one of those uh, greyhound. He looks like a greyhound. I, I, I kind of thought like she died from arrogance. Yeah. Clearly, mm-hmm. something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say Paul, but actually, uh, Will, um, you've, you, you've looked into the reappearances of her, right? She shows up in three other books uh, by yeah, Design. Yeah, so, yeah, um, so the, the you know, direct sequel is uh, uh, Asia, Return of She. I actually haven't read that one, but I've read I, I the, read the Wikipedia thing about it. Okay. okay. Yeah. She's, like, in Tibet. Okay, another yeah, reason yeah, to go to Samarkand, I guess, on the way. The mountains with, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Lost the, the Jam... Sort of thing. But the, the best sequel is the, the Jam book, which is actually a prequel, and it's um, she and Alan, so it's like Alan Quartermain and his Zulu friend, Umslopagos, like, uh, you know, it's a it looks back at an earlier point in their history, and they happen to have to go to core for some contrived reason, and... Uh, <laughs> She like shows them the afterlife, and uh, Umslopagas sees that in the afterlife, his best friend and his like wife are like together in a relationship, and that's like upsetting. And then uh, Alan Quartermain sees this like uh, uppity Zulu woman that he had had like uh, an attraction to, and like she was in hell. Um, wow. So like you know, but like I mean, all the books have that kind of like. Uh, that's a trope in H. Ryder Haggard's writings is like, he's like, uh, got this like desire to love native women, mm-hmm. but, uh, he also like considers it to be like a natural and doomed. And you, you kind of see that in this text. Well, too, in which, that society it would be right. Yeah. You can't come well, home uh, with your Zulu wife. If you live in England in 1887. <laughs> and so the natural consequences, of course, for you staying to die, um, because she like tragically can't be with the British man. Uh, so like, you know, like she kills her and yeah. <laughs> the British man's like, okay, I'm yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's the point where I'm like, dude, they're all wearing the, the ring of power, right? Like they, they don't see the evil that they're all turning into uh Saruman mm-hmm. there. Right. And the yeah, only yeah. guy who can figure it out is, is poor Sam Gamgee. He's <laughs> 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 like, you guys, you, you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> You're turning into uh, Smeagol. That's true. Uh, it, it is super interesting to think about how that that came about, don't you think? Like, oh, uh, the the Haggard Tolkien yeah, connection. Yeah, the Tol- Haggard Tolkien connection is like it's so obvious now to me. And, and also C.S. Lewis, because um, mm. what's a, what's her name? The the White Witch is clearly yeah. pa- based on she. Absolutely, and of course, I uh, if if you watch um, the 1935 movie, a lot of imagery from that is carried over to uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the mm-hmm. Disney cartoon. The, uh-huh. the one of one of the outfits is almost identical. That the uh, that she and the uh, the evil queen in in uh, Snow White wear. Oh, that's cool. Oh, and the facial, like, they look similar in the face. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So there is, uh, I've got many other notes. I, I, for some reason, thought that this was set in 1869, but that's actually in the audio drama. I don't think it's ever mentioned the year in the actual text of the book. He does say he has a martini rifle uh, in the book, and uh, that is, it comes into power in like 1871, 1872. That's, that's the one from Zulu, if you guys remember the movie Zulu. I remember, yeah, with uh, with Michael Caine, yeah, yeah, the Michael Caine um, film. Um, they they use that gun a lot in that film, so it's it's sort of a, a famous design. It's African, you know, up very I, I, powerful I mean, rifle. I mean, if Hag- Hagrid, I mean, if we're going with the uh, with the with the uh, convention that Hagrid got this story to, from uh, Holly, yeah, then it would have to be set somewhere around 1880s. Well, he says 20 years, 20 years, uh, and, and the book ends 22 years after the event started, right? Because he was five years old when he's given him. Um, well, it depends on what you think the uh, beginning of the story is. But, well, their actual adventure is two years, right? Going out. Yeah. Um, there and back again. There and back. Exactly. There and back again. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just, all right. the play in the caves and stuff. Oh, That's yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's pretty amazing, actually, that all that happens. Um, so, 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 yeah. So I wanted to talk about the whole lost civilization thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I think this is really the first novel in Western literature where we get the whole idea of well, actually, I should take it back because because I'm I'm sure Will's going to throw Atlantis at Atlantis well, at me. Uh, there's even <laughs> even Poe right has one in his narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. That's, right, that the whole idea that there's civilizations older than the ones we know that have ruins that are existing, whether whether they're sometimes they're space aliens, sometimes they're earlier versions of man, they're the Jenner versions of man. So you can tie this all into all sorts of things that this novel progenerated. When we talked about Tolkien and Lewis, um, how about, say, Conan, for example? Hybor, mm-hmm. I mean, what is Hybor? Conan Doyle's The Lost World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Conan Doyle's The Lost World. The oh, The Lost World is so much in this. I mean, he's riding on the coattails. Absolutely. I, 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 I mean, the I mean, demand is for it, right? And that's that, where that book I comes mean, from. Leaving aside the racism of the tribes around and just focusing on that center lost city, I mean, that this whole the whole idea is like there's civilizations thousands of years older than even what we know now. At this time in in, in the 18th, 19th century, they were excavating all sorts of interesting things throughout the Middle East about stuff that had been buried for centuries. And so mm-hmm. Taggart thought, well, why not something even older? And writers picked up on that and ran with. That. I mean, I mean, we can go back to Tolkien again. Numen lost Numenor as an mm-hmm. example of a civilization that was there and gone. The whole idea that there's and then, and then, of course, we go to Plato and it, Plato and Atlantis. I mean, did uh, did Haggard read Plato? Probably, dude. Uh, I have that. That's one of the things on my page of notes here. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, it's just like the. I mean, and then there is a. I'm gonna not not in the romantics. There's a whole romance idea of going and finding finding remnants of a civilization older than you ever thought that existed, and then we can get to the whole idea of. Um, I, bl- I believe it was Will or you that 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 did that map of uh, the Corcosa novels by Philip Jose Farmer. Oh yeah, that was me. That was you. That was you. And then, not, coincidentally, about a week ago, I was reading about when the Sahara was green, because in, I mean, not quite in recorded time, but within the Neolithic age, 
because of wind patterns and rain patterns, the Sahara was not desert. It was mostly savanna with huge lakes. There were dinosaurs there. There were no, 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 no. They, they, there were no dinosaurs. No, they were. Well, they, well, I'm, I'm saying like 10,000 years ago there weren't dinosaurs, but the oh, Sahara, no, but, the, the Sahara yeah. was, a, was a plain with giant lakes and people living around those lakes. But as, as the Ice Age ended and weather patterns changed, the Sahara went from, from a from a seasonal savanna to, to desert. So, and there's probably lot, I mean, a, a lost civilization there is easy to uh, set up as a possibility. If you decide that mankind's older than that, and then you can go into things like HB Palmer's Omnilingual, where you have, where you have the Martians coming to earth landing and then there's their civilization falling. So there's all sorts of things that people took out of this novel and said, I can use that. Absolutely. Um, the pots, the the pots on heads, uh, thing, and the pot shirt, um, yeah. and the and the cave. This is all um, goes back to Plato's myth of the cave. I think mm-hmm. <laughs> where you're coming out of the cave uh, and you find this world and you say, "Oh my God, look, the, there's the real sun." That's how things actually are. This is sort of a political thing too, right? You're in a you're in a uh, a group think <laughs> or you're in a religion and you you come out of it and you find out not everybody has to think that the world's going to end and on the 17th of march in the year 2020 29 or whatever and you say oh shit and then you try and go back into the cave and tell everybody and they're like no don't believe you he's a heretic burn him right <laughs> that's that's sort of a, a whole thing but the 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 fact that all of this is on a on a potsherd right and the fact that potsherds were a big deal and the scarab is a big deal, right? This is all about that that ancient connection. Did did when when they were going through core, it reminded me of uh, Pompeii, like sure, sure, yes, just there as it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Pompeii was only just only really excavated in the 18th century, so it Pompeii it stayed, stayed buried for 1600 years, and they're still finding. I mean, I'm not, because I follow. Pompeii news and they're still finding new stuff and new mm-hmm. buildings to excavate. So even after 200 years, we're still finding stuff in Pompeii that we didn't know before. Mm-hmm. I've got one note on this, uh, lost race, lost colony stuff, mm-hmm. uh, before we move on from it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, um, so, uh, this is like this idea that there are these, uh, ancient civilizations, uh, that were active in Africa, North America, other places was like pretty popular in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, our U S version of it, uh, is, you know, Mormonism essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but, uh, you know, Andrew Jackson gave this really strange speech about how, uh, you know, the Indian mounds in the United States were probably built by an ancient race of white people. And then, <laughs> oh, like we were God. actually avenging ourselves on the natives <sighs> oh, who had like gosh. killed oh, my the God. aboriginal white peoples. And you have similar ideas in Africa. There's this site, um, uh, the great Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. It's a medieval, uh, African city. You know, the, the modern nation state takes its name from it. Uh, but, uh, you know, back in the 19th century, uh, people's ideas were such that there was like, no way that the black people who knew everything about the site like could possibly have been the ones who built it. It has to be an ancient race of white people. Yep. <laughs> um, and that's like that's a part of the the race science. Uh, you know, mm. you have to explain these ruins uh, in Africa as coming from a 
you know, some kind of ancient, uh, you know, white source. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, like the, the lost race, lost colony stuff is really interesting. Um, if people are into, you know, these books, uh, really recommend, uh, Hayden of ancient Opar by Philip Jose Farmer kind of, uh, you know, ties all this stuff together. Yeah. That course, uh, the Corsica book. And I believe, uh, what's his name? Uh, Christopher Paul Carey. Yeah. All those two. Yeah. Editing them and adding on to that, the whole line. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, on the like uh, the green Sahara stuff, uh, kind of the prequel to those novels is a novel by Philip Jose Farmer called uh, Time's Last Gift, where a like wink nod Tarzan character travels back to 10,000 BC and, you know, he visits the the green uh, Sahara. So it's kind of interesting stuff. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a pretty good novel. Um, like the character's named John Gerbertson, and then he's like, uh, like present as uh, this person in Co Carson folklore in the like ancient Opar novels. Uh, he's like a deity in that pantheon, and he he shows up once in each of the novels. It's just this scene that you could almost miss. It's like very Philip Jose Farmer. <laughs> yeah, um, yep, tie everything together in little, little bit, little but uh, significant ways. Yep, that's him. All right. Yeah, yeah, but the uh, uh, I don't know, Jesse. Were you saying something about the uh, like the religious aspects of this or something like that? Mm. Oh, before we get to that, I want to say one more thing about lost civilizations too. um, Which uh, it's interesting that um, uh, mentioning the sequel where they hear a rumor of her in Tibet uh, at the beginning of um, of she. It, they're handing over these documents in in the framing uh, uh, because they're planning to go off to the east, um, and that made me think of uh, James Hilton's Shangri La, mm-hmm. which of course is a twentieth century book, so that came after. But uh, you know, there's a lost civilization um, where there's an immortal wise person who who doesn't go around killing a whole lot of people um and who rules through wisdom and that's also and an iron fist the marvel uh series right yeah <laughs> no that's uh, two thumbs up yo that's great it's fun stuff um okay so uh there is a there's another connection i was just skimming through the uh she giant she wikipedia entry and it says uh Influential on Richard Kipling, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Henry Miller, uh, I don't know. Graham Greene, hmm. Uh, okay. J.R.R. Tolkien and Margaret Atwood, okay. I get the Tolkien. Um, I don't see the number one that one that's striking me though is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. <laughs> I saw that on Wikipedia. You pissed. Did, you missed it. Did it? Okay, I'm going to type yeah. it in. Lovecraft. Oh, uh, yes. So it says the aftermath of Gothic fiction. That's a citation. Uh, see, it's only one. It's just a citation. So uh, you must have been reading deeper than me. Um, in any case, um, what's interesting I found. Whoops, I just clicked on something I shouldn't have. Huh? Um, is that? Uh, oh, here's what it says. The story is one of the most important texts of imaginative literature and has a lasting impact on the fantasy genre. And their citation is uh, something about um, H.P. Lovecraft. I must have read it somewhere else. Yeah, so... I did read it elsewhere. It says, The Aftermath of Gothic Fiction, Supernatural Horror and Literature, but it doesn't say... Uh, So, in Supernatural Horror and Literature, which I have read and um, 
I vaguely remembered, and I did look it up. He he has this to say about she. He definitely read she. Uh, I'll just type in Haggard. Um, uh, this paragraph is has a lot going on. The romantic, semi-Gothic, quasi-moral tradition here represented was carried far down the 19th century by such authors as J. Sheridan Le Fanu, Thomas Prescott, uh, Thomas Prescott Prest, with his famous Varney the Vampire, uh, not so famous anymore, Wilkie Collins, the late Sir H. Ryder Haggard, and then parentheses, who she is remarkably good. <laughs> Sir A. Conan Doyle, H. She was blah, 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 blah. So he continues on, right? Uh, that's only mention, but he has a, a a whole story that is, I think, a retelling of this from a very different point of view. Um, it's one of my favorites. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of Lovecraft favorites. Um, you guys know the one I'm talking about or thinking about? You could be thinking about a couple of them. I'm not quite sure which one you're well, going uh, there. What's interesting is it, 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 in the very beginning of um, – there's a, a number of lines that I'm like, holy shit, that's a Lovecraft line, right? It's just not as poetic in this book. So in The Call of Cthulhu, he actually opens with a quote from Algernon Blackwood. But the reason he opens with it is because it's a really cool idea. And this actually applies to she. Um, listen, of such great powers or beings, there may be conceivably a survival. A survival of a humu- hugely remote period uh, 6,000 years ago uh, or whatever. Consciousness was manifested, perhaps, in shapes and forms long since withdrawn before the tide of advancing humanity, forms of which poetry and legend alone have caught a flying memory and called them gods, monsters, mythical beings of all sorts and kinds. So she is like that. She's a goddess in a certain sense. But actually, the, the main, and there is a line here very much in the, in the book somewhere. I, I'm having trouble finding it, but... If you start typing in death, you'll find it. She she talks a lot about death. You notice that? It's like death isn't what you think it is. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about change. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Right. And death is only the beginning, to quote stuff, the mummy. Stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, there is that in The Call of Cthulhu, but there is a specific story called Facts in the Case oh, of Arthur it... German and His Family, a.k.a. The White Ape. This is oh, a super funny time. Shadow Out of Time is not – I didn't think of that one, but um, I'll, I'll be happy to hear your theory. But I want to talk about facts in the case, uh, facts concerning the late Arthur German and his family, a.k.a. the White Ape. So uh, first I want to read the opening so that you can uh, hear the flavor of it, and then I want to read a section, um, and then I'll give you the premise if it's not already clear. Life is a hideous thing, and <laughs> from the background behind what we know of its pure, uh, of it pure deem- demoniacal hints of truth, which make it sometimes a thousandfold more hideous. Science, already oppressive with its shocking revelations, will perhaps be the ultimate exterminator of our human species, if separate species we be. <laughs> for it, re- for its reserve of unguessed horrors, could never have. Never be borne by mortal brains if loosed upon the world. Uh, in the, upon the world. I'm not reading well today. If we knew what we were, we should do as Arthur, oh, sorry, as Sir Arthur German did. And Arthur German soaked himself in oil and set fire to his clothing mm. one night. No one placed the charred fragments in an urn or set a memorial to him who had been. For certain papers and a certain boxed object were found which made men wish to forget. Some who knew him do not admit 
that he ever existed. Um, and then I'll read the next paragraph because it explains everything. Mm-hmm. Arthur German went out on a moor and burned himself after seeing the boxed object, which had come from Africa. It was this boxed, uh, it was this object and not his peculiar personal appearance which made him end his life. Many would have disliked to live if possessed of, a pe- of the peculiar features of Arthur German, but he had been a poet and a scholar and had had not minded. Learning was in his blood, for his grandfather, Sir Robert German uh, Baronet, had been an anthropologist of note, while his great-great-grandmother, Sir Wade, uh, sorry, great-great-great-grandfather, Sir Wade German, was one of the earliest explorers of the Congo region and had written eruditely, there we go, of its tribes, animals, and supposed antiquities. Indeed, old Sir Wade had possessed an intellectual zeal of Amounting almost to a mania, his bizarre conjectures of a prehistoric white Cong- Congolese civilization earning him much ridicule when his book, Observations of Several Parts of Africa, was published. In 1765, his, this fearless explorer had been placed in a madhouse in Huntington. So I'm going to skip down to the part where it talks, uh, this is a few paragraphs down, where it talks about this city. But it was, Sir, it was the talk of Sir Wade, especially when in his cups. Uh, which chiefly led his friends to deem him mad. In a rational age of the 18th century, it was unwise for a man of learning to talk about the wild sights and strange scenes under a Congo moon, of the gigantic walls and pillars of a forgotten city, crumbling and vine-grown, and of damp, silent stone steps leading interminably down into the darkness of abysmal treasure vaults and inconceivable catacombs. Especially was it unwise to rave of the... living things that might haunt such a place of creatures half of the jungle and half of the impiously aged city. Fabulous creatures which even a Pliny might have described with skepticism. Things that might have (laughs) sprung up from after the great apes and overrun the dying city within the walls and pillars and the vaults and the weird cravings. Oh, sorry, not cravings. Carvings. Carvings. There are cravings in this this story. In any case, what... Uh, Arthur German found in that box that he had shipped to him from Africa was mm-hmm. his grandmother. <laughs> and oh. she looked exactly, uh, well, a lot like him. Um, and she was an ape. <laughs> oh. uh, so here we have the Horace Holly story, right? But where, you know, he's this, he's, he's a noted scholar and poet, but he's ugly, right? He looks like a monkey. And this horrible truth that has been revealed to us via Darwin, you know, that we're related to these apes and, and creatures that are no, I mean, Jesus, we're actually related to them? That's horrible. Well, Aisha, right, she's basically all uh, lily white flames and, and gauze, right? She, she's a step beyond. She's a goddess. Not only does she live forever, right? So there's this tension between atavism, reversal to type of an earlier generation, like we're going to degenerate like our ancestors were degenerated, or not generated yet, right? They haven't climbed the ladder. And the idea of, well, if you get your breeding right... So I I feel like this book is all about the super concerns of the 19th century people who are dealing with the fact that Darwin is is blowing their shit out of the water and they don't want to really think about it, but they got to. And, 
Yeah. So uh, the racism as a reaction to, look, I don't want to be related to them because if I'm related to them, that makes me think of I'm being related to monkeys. And we're better than monkeys because in the Bible it says we're created by God. And, you know, they just don't want to talk about it. So I think that's what's so cool is Lovecraft's doing the same thing. He does that over and over and over again with his, his litchy ancestors, you know, taking over his body bodies of his characters later on um this is in or or or, ch- or changing things like say an insmouth yeah so that's a whole like, well that's yeah that's a different that's a kind of uh mix race mixing whereas that right yeah which which, which but it's, it's allied to this whole idea it of is. like oh yeah we're going to destroy the purity and the fact of that our you race. could interbreed with a fish man <laughs> is a is a problem because it makes you think that uh you know maybe you were related to them in the first place it, yeah Right. But I was thinking Shadow Out of Time because of all the lost civilization, lost archaeology. I'm, I, you, you've listened to the, H, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Lovecraft Society version of Shadow Out of Time, which is all about exploring those ruins in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's just tying into the whole, the whole idea of like look, looking, looking at the past and seeing this, this past civilization that the, that the, character the main character is tied to one way or another i mean it's different i mean there's no aisha in in shadow out of time but he is connected just because of the the mind transference to the civilization that he finds and has fallen but is still there and still impresses upon the world today but there, there was one fun bit that i came across and i tweeted this and someone said wait what and I'm going to blow you all minds. So yeah. you've you've seen the 1965 movie She. I know you did, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of the rest of you did. Cushing and Lee. It, yes. And Ursula Andress. And Ursula Andress, yes. Or Andress, as the case may be. But it, it starts off, unlike most of the other things, it starts off in in the Middle East where they're apparently... After they're World apparently, War One. Why? Just oh, well, to get the story started, I guess. I don't know. Just to get the story started, and we have this whole bit with them in the nightclub, and we and we we uh, we meet uh, what's her name, the the girl, uh, Roxanne. No, it's un- no. Uh, yeah, Roxanne's a different. Yeah, Ro- Ro- Roxanne's in the two thousand one yeah, one. That's right. But, yeah. and, and and, and uh, Jesus, they're mixing shit up, Paul. Like, did you notice that Roxanne is from uh, the man who would be king? <laughs> Yes, yes. It's like she what? Is. What are they doing? They said they said. Oh, and they also they they also said the mountains and the moon are in like in in Uzbekistan. But, 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 like but, they're but, literally but, in Africa. What? what but, but, these yeah, guys the just watched the movie. They didn't adapt the book. They just didn't, yeah. Well. But the two thousand one movie is uh, is set in Central Asia anyway, so they might as well steal from the man who would be king while they're at it. I, yeah, but they also stole from the from the other movie because they went to the mountains. I don't think the mountains and the moon are mentioned in this book, are they? Um, no, that's so that they're lifting from the '65 movie. They're lifting from the '65 movie, but sending those in that in yeah. essentially. But here's the thing that blows your mind. He yeah. will blow your mind. So we have we have Leo get get taken to to a to a house in the city and goes undergoes these events, escapes, comes back, and then he goes back and this uh, house is empty and it's as if nothing had ever happened. And this got me thinking of the movie. You're gonna laugh. North by Northwest. Yeah, you mentioned where, that. What? Yeah, <laughs> North by Northwest, where the main where the main character gets wrapped up to the plot, gets taken to this house, escapes by the skin of his teeth, and comes back, and then everything is gone. Like, oh no, nothing ever happened here. Mm. And it also involves a blonde woman. Hello. 
Well, that's I rest Hitchcock my case. for you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're really reaching there, Paul. <laughs> so she's not blonde in the book, is she? There's no evidence. No, she's raven-haired. Yeah, yeah, so it's funny that they keep blonding her up. So in, this, in the 2001, which I guess is the most recent, she's blonde. And I think the reason she's blonde is because Ursula Andress was blonde. Right. Yes. Yeah. I. 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 Th- I think Ursula Andress permanently changed the, the look of she to blonde hair. Yeah, and as I well don't as- remember the thirty-five. I don't think she was blonde, but it's hard to tell. It's. It's also black and white. It's the black and white. Oh no! They I actually colorized it, but I didn't watch that version. Uh, her hair is black in the colorized version. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, and oh, in so the silent one, it's black as well. Yeah. So, right. So it's Ursula Andress who's responsible for the change, <laughs> or whoever cast. I think her, our. Yeah. our our racialization of Arabs has like changed since this book was written. So like, I mean, even in the book, it's uneven, right? Cause yeah. they're like Arab servant. Muhammad is like, sometimes they describe him as being basically a black man. Mm-hmm. And then of course, uh, Asia is like, you know, I mean, they even like give you the money shot right before she gets destroyed. Like her, like Raven hair over her white porcelain body or and whatever. They take it like, home with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. They do take her raven hair home. It's yeah. not creepy at all. No. Nope. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, the whole hair thing, and consider um, Galadriel and uh, yeah, Gimli. Good point. So. It's it, it's really interesting the, the Galadriel con- connection, and and she has that I am ta- I am powerful and terrible. I'll be a wonderful, terrible queen. So, yeah. you sure you want to give me that ring? Because yeah. uh, the elves have also to also love being and, and, and despair. Uh, what uh, what I think is cool about Tolkien's version of of dealing with immortality, right, is that the elves are basically they're they're all fagged out from being alive so long. So like it's hard to get energy. Like so, ah, let's just go off to the west because <laughs> like this is <laughs> well, I've been yeah. around so long. I've I've played the minstrel or there's an apathy thing. Um, yeah. The, the the role playing setting uh, primeval thule yes i'm going to bring up role playing games cuz i always do it's a it's basically set in a mythical nor- nor- north continent uh, set about after the time of fall of, the fall of atlantis there are some atlantean survivors running around this co- this wild continent there's cities it's kind of, it's it's kind of very hyborian in that way in the continents and there are also elves that live in this portion of the thing but they're all Drug addicts from Nyarlathotep giving them basically sleeping drugs. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the elves are kind of like, yeah, the, the, the elves were once powerful, but they're all apathetic and don't care anymore. They're high on limbass. <laughs> it's not limbass, but it's something. But it's, I think it's called black milk. But yeah, they're all basically high on that. So if you have an elf character, you basically have to explain, well, how did you escape from from this hellhole, and what are you going to do about it? I'm tr- I'm still trying to find that quote that it, it feels like it's it's the one from uh from Call of Cthulhu goes something like it, dreaming and death may die, you know the one I mean. There's some sort of quote in this that's like holy crap, I didn't make note of it at the time. It's like that was sounds a lot like like the Lovecraft one, but the death word death comes up so much in this <laughs> it's really hard oh. to find. You were talking about the types of uh, immortality in Mm -hmm. she, and one other type is reincarnation, um, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, not only um, uh, 
uh, Leo Vinci slash Callicrates himself, but it seems like um, his, uh, let's see, his, his, Leo's father had met a Greek woman and uh, Leo's, or Callicrates uh, was himself an Egyptian who, mm-hmm. or no, a Greek uh, who had fallen in love with an Egyptian priestess. And but those I, would be those would be Greek anyways because of the Ptolemies. I mean, she's yeah. in a way Aisha is Cleopatra, right? That sort of. Did you? Uh, no, no. Wouldn't oh, wouldn't Aisha would have been before the the Ptolemies were? No, Egypt. but I don't think Haggard would have cared or known, right? <laughs> did, did you did you notice there was a thing about Cleopatra? It said. There was a chamber here, Callicrates, she said to Leo, who had gone to help her alight where one might sleep. 2,000 years ago, thou and that Egyptian asp rested here. Right, right. But since then, I have not set foot here. And and Cleopatra was killed by an asp. Right. I believe it was a symbol of... Um, hmm. No, was it a cobra? Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, no, yeah, it's an asp. I'm I think sure. there was more to it than than just the asp that killed Cleopatra. No, 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 I know, but I mean, just in terms of like a throwback to mm-hmm. to Callback. to uh, in terms of yeah, just oh, how throw, right. throwback would be so, atavism. You're talking about callback, yeah, callback, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I haven't found the right spot. This is right by the part where it says uh, uh, how to pronounce your name: A S S H A. Asha as. Asha, the mocking of the people that get the the death the death glance from her. <laughs> um, I might have your death I... quote, Jesse. Oh, great. Maybe I don't know if it's the same right one. In the circle of the spirit, life is not and death is not. Yet all things live forever, though at times they sleep and are forgotten. That's it. The sleep. Aha. Um. Let's see if I can find. Oh, I'm looking. Well, we should probably yeah. just mention how good or how how uh, enchanting some of the language in this mm. book is. I think that's definitely writer, one right? of the reasons that it has stayed uh, that it had it had such an impact because you know it's there's a lot of uh, uh, poetic level language mm-hmm. in in this book. There um, so is. Um, did you read that he wrote it in six weeks? Wow! Yeah, I read that. He also <laughs> rewrote crazy. it. He rewrote it a bunch of times. Um, he changed things up apparently at least twice. And yeah, yeah. And so I, I have on the website. There's the original serialization in the graphic, which gives those great illustrations. And then there's the um, the book publication, which includes. Uh, he apparently had the uh, the potsherd made up. And um, if you if you read the original um, Lost World um, serialization, which I also have up on the PDF page, it's really cool. He's doing the same thing um, Conan Doyle is. He actually has a photograph of Professor Challenger. It's been like photographically retouched, or you know their version of Photoshop, and it's actually Conan Doyle in a beard. And um, and sort of looking at the camera, kind of uh, at an angle, and he had like it, 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 they they prepared all this like fake, you know, sort of documentation to go with it, so that this is a real story and make it the verisimilitude go way higher, you know, like when you're in the movie theater and they have the seat rumble, 
<laughs> it's like, oh boy, it's, it's all real when you're reading the book. Like, Maybe it is true. <laughs> I only get that sense that, oh yeah, it is It is a uh, a true document that's just been collected together for our amusement and enjoyment. Yeah, that, that sounds like the right quote, Misa. Um, the other, I'm trying to find it within the actual Call of Cthulhu as well. And, uh, but uh, it's probably easier to find it not in there. Um, anyways, I did find a nice little bit here. This is not from that section, but it's a couple paragraphs right when we get the pronunciation. This is about halfway through the book when she actually shows up, right? Um, unlike in the movies where they, they put her into uh the movie early uh, it, yeah dreams and visions yeah they, they, how long um how long it took to actually get to, to get to her yeah. yeah whereas in the movies it's it, it i mean people forgotten the lessons of jurassic park and uh and jaws and just want to go for the for, for the act you know make her appear now 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 the other the other thing that's interesting about the films that is kind of weird that is never really addressed it, and it's like really badly done in the in the 2001 version is like uh they're supposed he's supposed to be a professor of languages or something in that version and everybody speaks english right <laughs> <laughs> um but uh in the audio drama the 2006 it's really cool cuz um uh job can't speak arabic right or greek and so he doesn't know what what anybody's saying he just sees them talking Right, and so the translation happens. It's like Job says, "What did he say?" or something like that, and then they say the same thing. There's actually a ton of repetition. That's really interesting. There's a lot of repetition in the book too. Like as you were saying, um, Trish, it's very poetic, right? Like that poetic repetition. Um, and so it's like, why? Why did they do that? Well, because this whole book, all these conversations are actually happening in ancient Arabic or something, right? So listen to, this is uh, when, I guess, she has just appeared on the scene to Holly. She spends most of the time with Holly, not with uh, with our hero. Leo. Yeah, I, I was surprised about that. He's the, the main like, character, right? Yeah, like, well, why, like, I mean, I kind of remember from the movie that Leo is out of her a lot, but he had, like, Holly was, like, much more front and center than I ever expected. He's much, he's, he's really interesting as a character, and his, his whole backstory, I think, is even more interesting than Leo's is kind of boring <laughs> and that just, explains why you put peter cushing in his role in the movie yeah that makes sense yeah because Anyways, he, is, he is central i want to read this this is right right before the pronounced pronunciation by lawrence uh or l horace holly um she leaned back on the couch and once more i felt the hidden eyes playing upon me and searching out my heart oh man she said at last speaking very slowly and deliberately it's Okay, It seems there are still things upon the earth of which thou knowest not. Dost thou still believe that all things die, even as the very Jews believed? Uh, Jews come up a whole bunch of times as well in the book. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of in contrast to uh, the Christians that uh, I guess these main characters are supposed to be. I tell thee that not dies. Actually, this is very similar to what I was saying uh, Misa was looking for as well. I tell thee that not dies. There is no such thing as death, though there be a thing called change, capital mm-hmm. C, C. And she pointed to some sculptures on the rock, rocky wall. Three times two thousand years have passed since last of the great race that hewed these 
those pictures fell before the breath of the pestilence which destroyed them. This uh, made me think of doom that came <coughs> to Sarnath as well. Uh, yeah. Yet, oh, yeah. Are they not dead? E'en now they live. Perchance their spirits are drawn towards us at this very hour. And she glanced round. Of a surety, it sometimes seems to me that mine, my eyes can see them. And uh, there's also that scene where Horace is spying on her and the body moves, right? It's mm-hmm. like she She's force-powering him back to life or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but to the world they are dead. Um, I for a time, but even to the world are they born again and again. So that's the reincarnation. I mm-hmm. And that's what goes with the burning of the bodies too. It's like, what is going on? What does this all mean? Like, is she... She burns up the corpses and then she steps into the flame. Like, is that fuel? Like, what? It doesn't. It's not clear. Like, is that revenge of the of the people that of the city she's occupying? It's really interesting to think about. I yes, I Aisha. I guess that's how I'm pronouncing it. For for that stranger is my name. I say to thee, I wait now for. One I love to be born again, and here I tarry till he finds me, knowing of a surety that hither he will come, and that here and here only shall he greet me. Why dost thou believe that I, who am all-powerful, I, whose loveliness is more than the loveliness of the Grecian Helen, of whom they used to sing, and whose wisdom is wider, I, far more wide and deep than the wisdom of Solomon the wise, I, who know the secrets of the earth and its riches, and can turn all things to my uses, I, who have even for a while overcome change, capital C, that mm-hmm. ye call death, capital D. Why, I say, O stranger, dost thou think that I heard here with barbarians lower than beasts? And then he says, I know not, I said humbly. So she is basically saying she's god or a god right and one of the other things about god that's kind of cool in in the original book <laughs> is um you're not you can't look at him right and uh, who is it is it uh moses uh is permitted to see his hind parts <laughs> god's hind yeah. parts and it's like what, what what if you look god in the face what would happen right Oh, you will certainly you do a Horace Holly and, and fall to the floor, or a every HP oh, Lovecraft. No, no, no. If you, if, you, if you see if you see God in the face, you you know what happens. You've all we've all seen the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful and terrible, right? That that spirit that comes out. Beautiful. But yeah. but speak, speaking of God, this there, there was that weird bit in in she about the whole Jews calling her heath, and it's like. Like what? Yeah, there's, I mean, oh, it's all about right. Jesus there, right? It's a mm-hmm. all about that. It's a really interesting. She's showing her historical connection. Did, did, I think did, that's did, what did it her is. Messiah, did their Messiah come and doth he rule the world? Mm-hmm. The, their Messiah came, but he came poor and lonely. They would have none of him. So that kind of feels kind of judgment. Little. They scourged <laughs> him and crucified him upon the tree. Yeah, his works and works live on, for he was the son of God. And now the truth he doth rules half the world. But notice that's Horace talking, not not uh, not. Aisha doesn't know anything about it, so no, no, but she, but she, but she, but she had connections with, with the she spent the time of with Judea the Jews, at, sure. at some point. It's sure. like when did that she happen? She seemed to be a wizard that... before she got her immortality. She, she's essentially, yeah, but, 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 dude, she's a lich, right? Yeah, yeah but, but, but I was trying to imagine like 
okay, she's been ruling the city for a long, long, long time. So when did she, when and why did she go visit You should. Uh, she's all oh, over the place. You need to uh, read Wisdom's Daughter, the like ultimate she prequel where it gets into her life, what she was <laughs> it's doing just, it's, it's she like, I thought she court. was just sitting in that city all the time, but, uh, <laughs> but this is this whole little thing about uh, Roman, uh, the talk about the Romans and the Jews and Greece, like, like what were you traveling around like a wizard? Like maybe I do have to read this no- novel. Well, yeah, she like, actually. There, there's a thing um, where, where um, uh, uh, Balali or somebody says that uh, she did occasionally disappear, and once she was gone for a whole generation, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and yeah. a new queen had tried to take her place, and, and so she killed her. Killed when she her came with back. a force force glance. Right, well, right, but uh, so. So I she w- your... did apparently go wandering once. Laser in a while. eyes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> flame eyes. Absolutely, it, 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 she's connecting herself to that. Uh, the she is she is why the book is so fun, right? Is that she's that connection, the living connection that we don't have to all these potsherds and stuff. She's like, oh, and, yeah, and, I've and, been and, living and through all of this history. Stuff. That's and right. then this ties into the novel I want you to read, uh, "The Boat of a Million Years," where we have a bunch of immortals living hundreds and thousands of years and kind of interacting with themselves in and out of history. That whole, she's a personal connection to a lot of history that, as you say, that otherwise we only have uh, potsherds and, and ruins. She's, she's a living, she's living history. I, I want to read I, this as well. I'm sorry. I have to read so much, but <laughs> it's just so interesting. And I, I tweeted this at you guys, so you should, see it i just thought it was astounding that this is in here because she's uh, uh, like i'm saying holly is the main character this stuff about leo being sort of the leading man he's not that interesting leo is he's a sight he he's he's fun he's he's fun for (laughs) us to see holly's vision of him and their his relationship to aisha or however you pronounce her name to like they're rivals for her affection right in a certain sense um, and they're also uh, father and son. And notice that it's all about chosen family. I said uh, somebody, there, somebody was uh, somebody said uh, you've been kidnapped. The people who are going to rescue you are from the last audio drama you listened to. And I'm like, oh. And they say How, uh, the question was, uh, what are your chances? And I'm like, I think they're pretty good. I got, I got. Uh, uh, Horace Holly, who's got long, strong arms, <laughs> um, and a keen knowledge of languages. He's got a martini rifle and a revolver. Um, I've got Leo, who's super handsome and uh, full of youthful vigor. And I've got uh, Job, who's, uh, well, he's got a good heart. <laughs> and he's self-sacrificing. I do want to say a good word for Job, though, you know, uh, although I disparaged him earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Job is the one person who has it right mm-hmm. when he says that the mark of civilization is not technology, but compassion. Right, so, right. And not knowledge. Job. Yeah, it's not, it's not, yeah. Job, Job does have it right, is that they're wrong about her. They're obsessed with her being, you know, it's fine that she killed that lady that I loved a minute ago. That's fine. <laughs> my wife. Well, yeah, my wife. Fine. That's they're fine. saying that they're helpless against her. Yeah, what can uh, I do? She's, she's, that's right. So I want to I wanna read this section because it's just insane. This section is insane. Uh, she had cast off the terror of the leaping flame, the cold power of judgment that was even now being done, and, wa- and the wise sadness of the tombs cast them off and put them behind her. This is all metaphor, right? Like the white shroud she wore. 
love that it's a shroud, and now stood out the incarnation of lovely, tempting womanhood, made more perfect and in a way more spiritual than ever woman was before. And I, I'm pretty sure this is in the book, but I might be from the audio drama or the... Or maybe one of the movies. She's a virgin, right? She's never... She is a virgin. She says that, yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay, so listen, this is so weird. So my Holly, and she's she's treating him like an equal almost, right? So my Holly, sit there where thou canst see me. It is by thine own wish, remember. Again, I say, blame me not if thou dost wear away thy little span with such a sick pain at the heart that thou wouldst fain have died before ever thy curious eyes were set upon me. Notice the language is, is biblical, like the style mm-hmm. of these and thous. Mm-hmm. There sits I mean, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's channeling the KJV. Absolutely. Like Absolutely. Alan Quartermain's favorite book is the Old Testament. It's like also, canonically. So, yeah, it's Robert E. Howard and Solomon Cain too, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there sits so, and tell me for in truth, I am inclined for praises. Tell me, am I not beautiful? Nay, speak not so hastily. Consider well the point. Take me feature by feature, uh, or measure for measure, right? Uh, Forgetting not my form and my hands and feet and my hair and my whiteness of skin. And then tell me truly, hast thou ever known a woman who in aught I, in one little portion of her beauty, in the curve of an eyelash even, or the modeling of a shell-like ear, that's very funny, is justified to hold a light before my loveliness? Now my waist, perchance thou thinkest too large, but of a truth it is not. It is this golden snake that is too large. So I'm assuming she's wearing a... A, a girdle. Uh, yeah, a girdle there, right? Mm-hmm. And doth not bind it as it should. She'll, she doesn't like her clothes. <laughs> it is a wide snake, and knoweth that it is ill to tie in my in the waist. But see, give me thy hands, so now press them round me, and there, with but a little force, thy fingers touch, oh Holly. So I'm doing that with my fingers right now. That lady has a wasp waist, right? She's a fucking skeleton. That's almost impossible. I mean, it, there are people who have that, but they're fucking deformed, man. Uh, unless your hands are... Oh, wait, no. Hey, maybe his hands are huge, right? That's oh, that's possible. right. He's, uh, he's got he long, long arms and probably hands. huge hands. Yeah, so yeah. maybe she has okay. like a 16-inch waist or yeah, something. So more reasonable. Like he's... Yeah. But no, she ha- he has to squeeze her a bit too, right? Because <laughs> he literally says you have to, you know, press. Um, where I lost my spot here. Uh, I'm busy looking at how small that is. Um, I am but a man. Uh, shit. I lost my spot here. Golden snake too large and doth not bind as it should. It is a wide snake and knoweth that it is ill to tie to the waist. But see, give me thy hand. So now press them round me and there with but a little force thy fingers touch. Oh, Holly. Uh, I could not. I could bear it no longer. I am but a man. And she was more than a woman. Heaven knows what she was. I do not. But then and there I fell upon my knees before her and told her in a sad mixture of languages, for such moments confused the thoughts, that I worshipped her as never woman was worshipped, and that I would give my immortal soul to marry her, which at the time I certainly would have done. And so, indeed, would any other man, uh, or except what about gay men? See, I don't think this is a consideration. Would any other man or all the race of men rolled into one. 
For a moment, she looked surprised and then began to laugh and clap her hands in glee. Oh, this is done so horribly wonderfully in the audio drama, the 2006. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is so fucking evil, man. Um, oh, so soon, oh, Holly, she said. She's actually cast a spell on him right here, right? She did this mm-hmm. on purpose for her own amusement. I wondered how many minutes it would need to bring thee to thy knees. I have not seen a man kneel before me for so many days. What does that mean? Like five five days or like 5,000 days? And believe God me, said. to a woman's heart, the, sigh, the sight is sweet. I, wisdom and length of days, take not from the dear pleasure, which is our sex's only right. That's why this is a sexism book. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, like she just cast a spell on him and she's like, here, let me take your hands and squeeze my waist. What do you think? It's like, this is a button down. uh, (laughs) It's a button down uh, Oxford or Cambridge Don, right? Who, whose uh, only girlfriend rejected him. Well, he's not confirmed bachelor. That means he's gay. Uh, but he's well, been oh, he, oh, okay. He's he's an unwilling bachelor because yes, of Kunko, the way because he he's so ugly, right? And the way everybody uh, on campus he's an incel. <laughs> no, he's not an no. incel. Well, you know, maybe. But in any case, she's teasing him here for her own amusement, right? She she's not going to take him as a husband. I, 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 in a sense, I can't blame I, her. At this if point, she doesn't watch it. If nobody ever sees her. She never really has this sort of. She hasn't had this sort of interaction. I mean, it doesn't maybe, say that. Maybe she does this to the men of the tribe all the time. It says I, in many days. She says not in many centuries. Uh, but yeah, but, I think but, those but, were century days. <laughs> well, for her, they all blend <laughs> together. People you know. don't look at her. People don't see her. That's right. So yeah. I get, I, I get the feeling that she's. She's lonely. And, and she and, doesn't I mean, have any goddamn books in this fucking cavern, cavern system, right? She, 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 do? she does have a lack of book problem. It is true. I mean, <laughs> spend all your days indoors getting paler and paler for thousands and, of and, years. And nothing to nothing – Talking to, to dead corpses. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's like I guess she, I feel, she has so her I TV. I mean, in, in, in a sense, what's happened to her – I mean – she, she, she's she's ruling this this kingdom in the middle of nowhere, Africa. It's no life. It, it's a curse. Right? It's it a is, curse. It is. And that's she says why, she's in hell. That's, uh, and that's why I'm thinking that that ending with her dying in the flames is It's actually, a release. But it's also it's a like – It's release for her. It, it's, a, yeah. it's a good thing for everybody, right? So they got the revenge, the atavistic revenge. They got uh, – she got uh, a release because – Really, if he had stepped into those flames and lived forever in these stupid fucking caverns, um, it, it's not in this book. I'm pretty sure, but it's really cool. In I'm pretty sure it's not in the book. She says in I think the 2006 audio drama. Well, no, they maybe it is in the book. She says I'm going to go to England and replace Queen Victoria. It's in the book. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's yeah. in the book it's and the, the audio book. drama. Okay, good. It's really explicitly well done in the audio drama. Um, dudes, I love that part, and it's Dracula. <laughs> Uh, it's, 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 no, it's Anno Dracula. You know, the Kim Newman novel. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking but, of. It's like, but oh Dracula, that's his plan too, right? Is he's going to move to the, he's like moving to England 
Wu-Tang is going to take it over. Take yeah, it over. It, it, in, in Kim Newman's Animal Dracula, that's exactly what he does. And he this he is, becomes king uh, of the, England. And Dracula is before this, right? Or after this. So it's it's like this book is is really influential. I think as a huge hit. Everybody's reading it. Lovecraft loved it. Everybody's taking their own spins on it. The only thing that I can think is incomparable in the adventure sort of aspect of it, and, and it is called a history of adventure, right? Mm-hmm. It should be called an adventure of history, almost, <laughs> um, is uh, Jules Verne stuff, which is, you know, the extraordinary voyages. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it doesn't have that. The center, of the, earth. the center of the earth. Yes. Yeah. But the, notice that there isn't this backward in time thing. It's more like, like surface the earth, around well, the but, earth, but, through but, the but, earth. But, but it, but in a sense, it, they are going kind of backwards this time because you're going to a lost civilization. I mean, one, one, one of the fun things, if you notice in the 1965 She movie, is that all, all her guards and stuff are all dressed Roman style, yeah, which, which makes no sense. No, but it, I, I thought it was, I thought it was like that, that was supposed to convey the ancient civilization bit. They should all have been dressed, dressed like Egyptians, but I guess viewers would more instantly recognize No, they Roman probably just gear. had extra Roman costumes or whatever. They, they might They might have, but it's like... I, I I was rewatching it. I was like, wait, that's not in the book. She didn't have any robe. <laughs> oh, on, on the other hand, also think um, the second Mummy movie. The set, the second, the second. Uh, I, okay, now I have to now I have to uh, clarify because there's so many movies. The second Brendan Fraser Mummy movie, where they're going to that lost pyramid, they do they they talk about bunches of civilizations, bunches of expeditions going down the Nile, including Romans mm. trying to find the place, which kind of sounds like going after lost core and finding. Finding their zombies among other mm-hmm. things, so that clearly now, in retrospect, looks like they're they're ripping off a she there. I mean, that pyramid is basically core. You just don't have an Aisha there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a movie called uh, Mountains of the Moon that's uh, quite good. I really enjoyed it when it came out in 1990. Um, it's not. It's actually the true story of uh, Burton and Speak. You know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. She's trying to find the source of the Nile. Yeah. Right, and uh, it's 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 a powerful film, I think. Um, it doesn't have the greatest reviews, it seems. No. But well, I, Burton, Burton was quite a character, and of yeah. course, he shows up in Riverworld as a character. Absolutely, which ties us back to Farmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's and, hard to understand. Oh, go for it, Trish. I was just going to say that uh, uh, Holly and uh, Leo falling helplessly in love or worship of Aisha actually reminded me of an episode of Stargate One where um, Hathor fertility came out of her sarcophagus and uh, seduced all the men, all the generals, everything at uh, Stargate uh, base. And um, it was up to Samantha Carter and Dr. Janet Frazier and some you know, airmen and marines who are around the base uh, to take it back. And yeah, it was all just... women plus Teal'c saved the day. Right, right. So <laughs> that, you know, is one example of why it's important to have diversity in your command structure. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you, Judge. That's a great takeaway. Well, um, I must, if you're going to bring up uh, science fiction movies that are <laughs> space, uh, I got to tell you, space vampires, a.k.a. Life Force... <laughs> Oh God! No, As a very yeah. similar, uh, you know, everybody. No, everybody who sees this lady falls in love with her, and uh, then she sucks the life out of them. And that species, Jesse. No, no, this is space <laughs> vampires, aka. Different. It's based on a novel, Life Force. 
You know, you know this nineteen eighty. Yeah, I, I know about, but also species. That that's the same plot as species. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't watch species because I heard it was shit. Um, it's not good. No, it wants to be. <laughs> Life Force is wonderful, it good, but it's not. Life well, Force it's is It's interesting amazing. that we're still it's having movies and things about female seductresses. Uh, you know, back back in Vampire, um, yeah. in uh, when when this was written, when she was written, uh, of course, women's rights were an issue on the you know the uh, the, the women's movement. Um, oh, they can and so can hold. the image of a powerful yet evil queen was, you know, a, a trope that was, uh, uh, you know, can't let women have power or it'll go to their heads. Well, that's, um, what, that's why it's so interesting to think about the Victoria stuff. They, they go on to explain why she, you know, no, you know, you can betray your queen. It's no big deal. It's like, whoa, no, 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 this is Queen Victoria. Victoria. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and then trying to explain, oh, it's a democracy and like, uh, well, she's sort of like trying to uh, it's them talking about it now, and what with the Canadian, the, the her and his royal highness is deciding to move to Canada. They're not citizens. What the hell are we accepting them for? Even uh, if they be, reject be, because their titles, you're part, because you're part of the Commonwealth. That's why, and the Queen is your titular monarch. Yeah, but she uh, she can't foist her her kids and their relatives <laughs> they, off she, on her. On they us. want to go. She's not kicking them. Yeah, to but you. The, they, they don't have jobs here, and they don't have they don't have like neither neither of them was born in Canada. They're not Canadians. I don't understand how they're coming to live here. Well, Megan worked in in uh, Canada for quite a few years when she was on Suits. Well, uh, yes, but so you know, The Rock worked in Canada too, and he's not <laughs> he's not allowed to move into Canada just because he wants to. I mean, he is because he's rich, but that's not well. They're they're rich too. I think too. you hit the nail on the head. Uh, that's right. That's <laughs> why I'm saying uh, 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 it's really important, Will, that this is about class. Right, <laughs> it's so much. Just like Tolkien, right? We got this, this, these hobbits. They're all friends, and Mister Oh, Mister Frodo, right? He's a servant. He's a, the the job is a servant. It's about class. It's always been about class, and this race thing is used to divide us. Gender, uh, that's a real thing. <laughs> race, not a real thing. It's all fake. There's languages, there's all these cultures, there's lots of cool stuff, but that race stuff, that's all bullshit. Uh, class is a, is, is a real phenomenon. It's all over our, our business, in up in our faces. That's why it's, it's so freaky when she, she says, yeah, yeah, you want me to kill her now? <laughs> can, can I kill her now? She seems to, that's, uh, or jo- job seems to be bugging you. Should I kill him now? You want me to kill him now? I kill him now. Just kill him with a glance. No problem. Um, I assume that this isn't how the latest Star Wars films dealt with that Kylo Ren and of evil versus good Jedi. I'm not. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think it dealt with it in the way that they deal with it here. Nobody jumped into a, a flame thing and burned themselves out or anything. But it's it's interesting how how formative this book is I, I hadn't considered that before i read it you know i just thought oh it's it's an early adventure quasi yeah, fantasy it, but she explains it, it it's all science right yeah it's yeah it's all science it's, it's no science magic fantasy it's definitely not meant as 
a fantasy. There no, are, but she says she says there are natural reasons yes, for what happens. All the things, mm-hmm. the reason, and there's rules for like what, what you can see in the glass or the mirror or whatever. Whereas in Galadriel stuff, it's just a magic. It's just a magic pool, right? She's mm-hmm. elf, so she has magic. Whereas she's saying, no, I learned this from a dude who brought me into out of the desert, and then I learned this from that dude. And, and now I know how this works because these people from Core, they're getting their revenge on me because <laughs> yeah, I've been living in their place and burning up their corpses as firewood. It's- yeah, well, um, the first I heard of this was uh, was an audio drama, one of the audio dramas that you sent through. And, Probably the and, I, and so when, when, uh, when I saw it, it was a 12-hour book. Or, I was like, what, what are they going to do for 12 hours? Like I thought it was just going to be like uh, – no, I thought it was just going to be a quick, you know, adventure, 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 action, action, action. I had no idea mm. what what was coming. And then I was so surprised reading it. Like, I just kept reading it going, wow, mm-hmm. it, it, it's so lyrical and interesting. And he's going, he's metaphysical. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's yes. about so much more. Than, and, and then I was like, what? and then I said, and then it was all the Lost World books are here mm-hmm. this is where it all like it was so it, it's like finding a fount right where it all starts mm-hmm. that's a good it's exactly it's a fount a fount of so many other adventures and you can see why it was a huge hit it was something people people needed <laughs> they didn't know they wanted and now they got mm-hmm. it and now let's have more of it uh, i think alan uh quarterman came so the year after is that right or is it the year before well, do you know? Uh, I think it's King Solomon's Mind. Yeah, King Solomon's Mind. Like, so, yeah, but I think that comes out like the year. It comes out after this one. I think this is his first big hit. His, yeah, his, my my notes say he had written King Solomon's Minds before, but he told his, but uh, Haggard told his agent that she is what he would be remembered for. Mm. Oh. I saw that too. It's interesting. I, I, I can't. Say, I, I would say probably people probably know King Solomon's Mines more, but that's probably from the movies. You know? I would say they know the name of King Solomon's Mines more, yeah. but there are so and many Indiana Jones things that, that have come right? through the culture. Um, I mean, uh, the first time I ever heard of she was watching Rumpel of the Bailey on PBS, and he <laughs> right. always referred to his wife as yeah. she who must be obeyed. Yes. <laughs> I uh, uh, I didn't I know, know what exactly. that meant at the time, but yeah. you know it's I looked callback. it up later and read the book in college uh, years ago. It's a very uh, it's exactly how I heard about it too. I think <laughs> um, I'm looking at the comic now. It is on the PDF page. It, like I said, uploaded. Um, it does not it does not give any of the things I want <laughs> from it. it. Like Horace isn't ugly enough. And ugly, I guess, is a relative term. Not baboon enough. Um, and I, he, our hero doesn't have the curly hair. He just has hair. I mean, it's it's a little bit curly. But I, I've, I'm picturing it. It's like uh, it's when I picture it, it's like a uh, a wreath around his head. You know, obviously, it's not well, a corona. A corona, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and and just the the way they're described in that the opening scenes, I I think it's what makes this book so good is that Horace Holly's a great character to see it through. You know what? You just you just made me realize at the very beginning of the book, um, but before we have the the original 
character who who Horace gives the book to, mm-hmm. and he says, "I'm surprised. Why didn't she choose Horace? He's such a more interesting. Um, he's a much more interesting person. If I was she, I would have chosen him." She does choose him in a way. I know, in, in a way she does. But but now I'm. I was just thinking about she and and why she chose uh, Leo. And she like she saw him one day hanging on the arm of this beautiful Egyptian woman, and she said, oh, yeah. "I like him. I want him." It's all there about his nothing. attract, the physical attract. I mean, that's a whole another level, right? The physical beauty is, and what, that was it. Yeah, that and, was it. That's her whole basis for him. And and, that's, and she spent two thousand years crying at his feet because he was pretty. And oh, but also think about how Horace had this relationship with a woman. He thought. Uh, he's he's in the audio drama. He says, "I poured all my love into her, right?" And yeah. then she goes to the mirror and says, "Look at look at us. Look at you. Look ridiculous. You're ugly, and also you have no money. But more importantly, you're ugly." <laughs> and <laughs> well, I and have look all your at money me, now. right? Well, yeah, but which of them is actually ugly in terms of uh, you know inner beauty? Well, oh, she's sure. fucking Absolutely. horrible, and and she, Aisha, is the most monstrous, hollowed out. N- garbage person you've ever met right she's just horrible just evil pure evil and absolutely and and horace holly he falls under her spell so i think this is like a a whole level of of you know how do you judge a person well Mm -hmm. for very first time you judge a person is when you see them assuming you haven't talked to them on the phone first i guess you judge them and you say this person looks pretty or this person looks like they've had too many sandwiches or whatever it is. You, you, you look like what you look like. But then there's this whole other level. It's like, well, you might want to marry a supermodel, male or female. Uh, but if they haven't read a goddamn book in their whole life and all they want to talk about is uh, uh, sandals and how beautiful – or I guess it would be hockey, hockey shoes or whatever it is that those people who don't read books talk about. Hockey shoes, I assume, is what they're talking about. Um, the hockey shoe podcast coming uh, soon from Jesse Bewills. Unlikely. <laughs> I don't know much about hockey shoes. I think they're called skates. But in any case, uh, it's about like w- w- the beauty versus um, personality, I guess, and also mm-hmm. principles because mm-hmm. they abandon their principles. Um, when they meet her, but they don't abandon them when, when uh, Muhammad's at stake, right? They actually come to his defense. And so that abandonment in the face of uh, a beautiful woman um, is, is, it's also interesting that Horace doesn't like, he sees his, his adopted son as a rival for her affection, but he doesn't like go so far as to kill her. Or k- kill him over her, which you might expect in in a more vampire. I mean, he even right. So is like that he, because he of his fantasizes pers- about polyamory with right? Like, he's sure. Like, if only we could both love her and right. be healthy yes. in a relationship. <laughs> That's like, right. Uh, <laughs> which it's uh, is something she never considers either. Right? She she plays with him like a a toy, but she's saving herself for the one guy she murdered. 2000 years ago i don't think she loved him in the first place i think this is all like if you she do, wanted him yeah she wanted him and she obsessed over him for 2000 yes. years she's also and that's what she thinks love away. is but right. <laughs> she's hidden herself away uh in in this tomb 
right? It's essentially a tomb. She's put herself in a pyramid uh, that isn't a pyramid out out away and yeah, it goes away for a year once every five thousand years or whatever. Um, but really, it's like this is this is a story of horror, not a story of beauty. Um, and by the way, this is not in the audiobook. It's not in the original serialization, but it's at the end of the 1919 uh, hardcover, which has different illustrations, and it's quite nice to look at as well. It's 335 pages. I'm just going to read this. This is uh, from the very last page. She, 2HRH, <laughs> it doesn't say who wrote it, not in the waste beyond the swamps and sand, the fever-haunted forest and lagoon, Mysterious core, thy walls forsaken stand, thy lovely towers beneath the lonely moon. Not there doth Aisha linger, rune by rune, spelling strange scriptures of a people banned. The world is disenchanted, over soon shall Europe send her spies through all the land. Nay, not in core, but in whatever spot, in town or field, or by the Sea, sorry, the insatiate sea, men brood on buried loves and unforgot, or break themselves on some divine decree, or would or leap the limits of their lot, there in the tombs and deathless dwelleth she. All caps on she. Um, so to HRH, not by HRH, doesn't say who wrote it. But it's a well, yeah. That, that, that's the whole convention of these things being dictated or mm. being found by various authors. That whole tradition mm-hmm. we've seen in a bunch of these novels. It's now. just a sonnet that's based on the idea of of she, and it ends out the book. So, it, it, this book had a life after its life, and then life after it's it's an immortal book. Still will. That's like the the quote when in. Um, the, what is it? The something of truth, the city of truth, or the citadel mm, of truth? City goddess of truth. truth. Yeah, it's, that's. It's, so he says, "It," which I thought this was so beautiful. It, it was a wonderful sight to see the full moon looking down on this ruined fane of Kor. It was a wonderful thing to think how many thousands of years the dead orb above and the dead city below had gazed thus upon each other, and in the utter solitude of space poured forth each to each the tale of their lost love and long-departed glory. Mm-hmm. Very similar to what you just read. Mm-hmm. It's a, 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 that, that image of, this, of the statue of the god of truth and the people who worshipped it were the people goddess. that... Goddess. Yeah, go, <laughs> you're right. She is a goddess. Um, she, the people of that civilization are all dead, right? They're all mummified. What happened to them? Well, they worship truth too much, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, the fact that she is, you know, sort of styling herself as the goddess of truth, right? She knows all these things. Yeah, did they say maybe she dressed like that because of the, the statue of the goddess of truth? Yeah, but she does she think that she is? Because she, honestly, she doesn't, she doesn't. She doesn't have it, 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 that truth is too frightening. Like if that's what if if what she is is the truth, then Jesus, I don't want to live. <laughs> Maybe that's like I just think it's so interesting that she she dies after getting what she wants. 
what was it? The tooth is it 1935 ending. Um, we've got this girl. Uh, she's not. She's white, so she. It's okay for uh, Leo to take her home. Um, <laughs> and they're sitting around the camp of the the fire at home back in England, and uh, Horace is there, and it, they turn Leo and the girl turn to each other, and and then the girl gets the final line saying something like, um, "Well." It's uh, immortality is all great in that, but um, the wonderful thing is the fire that burns in our hearts during our life, and then when we die, the hope that we might be reunited again. And it's like a nice Christian, uh, modern. Let's <laughs> forget about that horrible uh, loss and ending and meaninglessness and stuff we had earlier. Um, it's like, oh yeah, that's the traditional. Christian belief, you know, you die and then you hope to be reunited in heaven, if there is a heaven, uh, with the one you love. But it's just pushing it away, right? Saying it's like, yeah, you get to live forever. Uh-oh, in heaven. That's going to be boring. <laughs> it's, it's like that those caves are the inverse of heaven, right? She's She's got this strange change relationship with death. I think this book works really well on its own, but will, if she keeps coming back... Uh, doesn't that undercut this book? Like every sequel? Um, yes and no. So like, so, uh, I think, uh, Maestro started to touch on this a little bit. Um, and it's kind of in all of the quotes, like the book has a metaphysical aspect to Mm -hmm. it. Um, I would say that the book has a theosophical Mm. aspect to it. Um, like uh, most of, uh, H. Ryder Haggard's novels are on some level vehicles for him to just, uh, philosophize about Mm -hmm. like spiritual things, like, man's place in the universe like there's a large portion of this book where i feel like uh uh aisha is uh, sort of a sock puppet for h writer haggard's <laughs> philosophical ideas i think you're right it's like like he i mean i think that it was like common for british gentlemen to on the one hand you know uh think of christianity as this very good thing but also be attracted to these like more arcane ideas about reincarnation um immortality these sorts of things um yeah because you know there's large portions of the novel that you're like what is this part of the novel actually doing Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. this is just like um this is just like a dialogue between aisha and holly Mm -hmm. and holly is maybe a stand-in for h writer haggard maybe not um uh so yeah i I think that's a a piece of it Mm -hmm. uh is um you know, it's this really beautifully written philosophical text, like together with this like like strange mystery, strange adventure novel. Yeah, that was what was so surprising about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of structure and a lot of things in the text where you can wonder, you know, what is what is Haggard doing here? You know, and where where. You know, what is he really trying to say beyond the text? What's the meta text? Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was interested in Holly himself. You uh, talked about the Victorians and things that they didn't want really want to face. Holly is uh, pretty skilled at compartmentalizing and turning turning away from things he doesn't want to think about. And he he lies to Leo about why he wants to go to Africa uh, and turns the subject. You know, he doesn't want to say, I just I don't want to be separated from you, Leo. You're my life. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, well, mean, they're, they're a family, right? That, that's that's the he, he, he is his life. You're right. 
Right, but he doesn't want to say that. And no, so that's he a talks very about English the big gang hunting right? as yeah, an yeah, excuse. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and Dude, that's all everybody's life. He's like, let's go see this movie. Why? Because I need to spend time with you, not because I want to see that movie, right? <laughs> Let's uh, come over for, for breakfast. I can make breakfast at home. No, the reason is because I need to spend time with a human, and I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> well, and, and also, Leo's father, that was his only friend. Yes, he actually says but that. He, he's my only yeah, friend. Yeah, so he, he's almost you know, following through on his friend's dying wish by by go taking on this adventure with his son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and his friend Vincy, who died, told Holly, "You're not fit for society, so you may as well just raise my son." It's it's a really weird <laughs> opening in that way, and the you know incessant <laughs> dwelling right. on on Leo's beauty seems almost uh, homoerotic. Although I'm absolutely sure that's not how. Ryder Haggard yeah. meant it. <laughs> well, you know, you can appreciate a male male uh, form without saying, you know, I'm totally gay. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you see a handsome man, you say, damn, that guy's handsome, right? And if you're, if you, I, I don't know. I don't think, yeah, I don't think but, it's, it's not. But anymore. he basically bribes them. It's like, okay, if, yeah, if you raise my son, you can have half of this and the other half of you choose to raise, raise raise him with it's like he bribes his best friend to raise his son <laughs> following his footsteps. it is a very bizarre opening to be sure it's not really seen in any of the adaptations Vincey, because- vince uh, the elder vincey there um uh, by the way he's played by christoph waltz in the 2001 adaptation yeah that's kind of weird um in any case um he he says i've been watching you for two years i've been uh, but yeah I th- he's, uh, been, what, he's been he's studying yeah, he's his character him. right this is actually uh, really important. This is actually like – this is why you don't get married right away, right? The tradition <laughs> is because you're hanging out with this person and you're sort of – you've got gauzy goggles on that block your view of reality. This person and your hormones are all like you know, combined together and giving you a vision of what is not, right? Because gametes got a gamete or whatever. <laughs> Gamete's got to meet, um, but uh, what you want to do is make sure you don't. Uh, so that's kind of the weird thing about the the relationship that the women have with the men in that outer society is that if women are choosing the men and they can abandon them as they will, right? It's the women who are in charge of this stuff that assumes they have a, a lot of social security <laughs> will. Yeah, yeah, right? no. I they mean, have they have like, like a, it, a social safety net. It's a nanny state in a positive way. Yeah, or they're like a. I mean, it. I wasn't able to figure out what mode of production the Amahogger were in. Like, <laughs> yeah, are they a little uh, unclear? Like, they it? maybe have cattle, so like they're like herders, yeah, goats, but see, goats or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're kind of a, but I do think they have sort of a communitarian society, which mm-hmm. is like typical in portrayals of like savage people is like one reason you know they're savage is because they like don't practice private property Mm -hmm. (laughs) which could also conversely be seen as a sign of high civilization i agree this is why what what, why we need to expand the public domain make everything (laughs) (laughs) everything public domain and then everybody owns it and collectively appreciates it and you can't no no you got to pay the writer Well, the writer gets paid, just not by the consumers. He, he's an artist. Oh, you're talking about a universal basic. Andrew Yang. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
1K, bro, as they say on Twitter. There's a great, there's a really great Twitter account that's, it's, uh, it's like, <laughs> I'm gonna get my 5K, I'm gonna get my 1K, and then I get a PS5. <laughs> that's all it's about. It's like, it's a, gotta go door to door knock and say, Andrew Yang, 1K, bro, make the argument. PS5, <laughs> PlayStation 5. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Um, yes, because there are alternate ways. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to. Was it you, Trish? You, I don't think it was you. Somebody tweeted about how writers got to be paid, uh, and you should shouldn't pirate ebooks or something like that. And I was like, oh no, you can pirate. Just you know, if you have to, and if you can't find any other way. Um, I do believe that living authors should be paid royalties for their works or however the arrangement is. Um, uh, unless you're in a country where you can't access <laughs> those works for legal reasons or whatever. Well, um, I mean, uh, people, uh, people who are good at creating things ought to be rewarded for their efforts. I think everybody sh- should be rewarded for being alive and not fucking with other people. Oh, Paul if we're going go. away from a money-based society, then okay, we can talk about that. But as long as we live where writers have to pay rent and you know feed their children, uh, what was the they average? should be paid for their work. Misa, I think you said in the last podcast, the average Canadian writer gets paid seven thousand dollars a year. Should they publish? Should yes. they pu- if they're a publish? A if they publish. That is not a living wage. It's not a living wage. <laughs> but luckily, we have free health care. <laughs> so it's okay you don't have to be paid as much this is my plan <laughs> will you're with me on this right we, yeah oh free health care yeah free, um, not, not just free health care like oh, housing yeah, down but... cheap I, I was reading or maybe was listening to a really interesting podcast i can't remember if i was reading about it anyways it was about how the in yugoslavia all the postal workers had their own um vacation spots like it was kind of like timeshare yeah yeah and you know, because they're all federal workers, they they all had a place to go to, and it was like a really great place, and everybody was really excited. And it's like, oh man, I'm a postal worker. I get to have a vacation. We go to this place, and you know, we all go there. And it's, and it's like, yeah, why not do that? Uh, it's not like that job is going to go away anytime soon, right? I mean, it might yeah. if if drones get going right up to your door, <laughs> but there's still going to be some some folks, right? I mean. In fact, there's probably going to be more postal workers, my thinking. So, yeah, the, it, there are all, all alternative forums, Trish. Yeah. For sure. We don't, we don't have to use the, the terrible capitalistic artificial scare, scarcity system for things that aren't artificially <laughs> scarce. I'm just saying that as long as we do live in that system, uh, we have to help the people whose work we enjoy by paying them. Amen. <laughs> well, you clearly haven't listened to my piracy episode. <laughs> yes, yeah. you bro- yeah, Je- Jesse just has really strong pirate political beliefs. Yes. They're just like going to supersede everything. Um, much, yeah. You're allowed to have those beliefs, but I'm going to oppose you. <laughs> well, don't join my my pirate team. It's the, the mo- most. De- you got to read about pirates. They're super democratic. They're all they're all up and you know let's all share these shares out equally. And if the if the captain ain't doing right and the quartermaster ain't uh, attributing right, then you fire them and you get some new guys. Or ladies. Your choice. Arr. It, yeah, in pirate <laughs> culture, that was true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you get, get deep into it. And it's, it's so interesting with the inter- internet now. We can do all sorts of 
things that we couldn't do. I mean, just the amounts of research that we're able to do for this book mm-hmm. is insane. And, uh, you know, it's and also like if if you have a lot of your needs taken care of because you had enough money to get housing early enough or if you have health care, um, you can like spend more time not doing horrible things for cash a lot of people, you know, uh, the capitalist system ain't, ain't great. A lot of women's bodies are rented out and male bodies, but not as much, uh, for for paying the rent. This is not a good system. I do not think we should uphold it forever. I think we should find alternate systems. That's my that's my feeling. I guess we're done the podcast. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with Jesse. Death to capitalism. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, may, 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 stopping the podcast there. Mercy, mercy, mercy killing. It's not a. It's you know. It's a. It. It's not. You know. You don't have to get rid of markets. You just get rid of uh, neoliberalism markets, and you know, maybe Rose Twitter knows what it's doing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. I think that's a, a longer conversation, but. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Pre-chat, if not actually... In the show I, I like our inability to talk about anything but but That's this. correct. No, we no no. We can talk about anything except for this. How about how about the uh, see um, Trish? You should you should be uh, apologizing to me right now. As should you, Paul. Um. What? Last time we t- we talked, the uh, United States hadn't started a war with uh, Iran. <laughs> and uh, did you predict it, Jesse? No, but I was I was saying uh, there was a certain. Uh, Democratic candidate that was um, trying to stop uh, more regime change wars, um, uh, and she uh, she actually had an amendment to the uh, latest uh, round of giving more money than Trump asked for for the military to explicitly uh, require them not to be able to spend it on regime changing Iran. And what happened? They took that out. They amended it out. <laughs> I don't hear those apologies. And so, Paul and Chris, are you an apology for this? <laughs> no, I am not. I am going to. Remember they're not paying. They're not paying close enough attention to to uh, the the tiny little. Hey, uh, here for example, um, uh, do you guys see all the snake emojis on Twitter this week? Yes, yes I know I, all about that. I thought that, that was, uh, and I didn't realize, and I'm sure um, uh, you realize. Um, because maybe you're all paying attention closer to me. That that the I know where the snake ones comes from. I'm pretty sure, but the rose emoji. I didn't realize that that you're where, a few years out of date there, Jesse. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you all know where that came from? I know neither. You don't know about the snake emoji? No. Okay. Uh, so I think that became very popular this week during the right the day before the last Democratic debate, and then there was a uh, a lot of snake emojis <laughs> the day after. 
back if there was a backstabbing uh, emoji, that would have probably been replaced. And then, uh, but the snake, uh, the snake one, I I understand. But I, I, it made me think. I never questioned why the rose emoji was associated with Bernie Sanders. And it turns out that it's a symbol of the Democratic Socialists. Yeah, I think it goes back to the Portuguese Revolution in the seventies. Wow. Um, like the Carnation Revolution, that's when the Socialist International picked up, uh, like the red flower, I think. Mm. Uh, I think in the American context, it's also, uh, uh, a reference to the idea of, uh, bread and roses. Like, so like, you know, people need bread, but they also need the good things in life. Love. <laughs> yeah. Love. Uh, um, yeah, but uh, the snake emoji got big on Rose Twitter, I think. Oh, yeah. It's one way you could say it. It was crazy. It was crazy interesting. Um, and uh, just like, it's like, uh, I think it's related to this book. I was thinking how political this book is. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, but not in the way you suggested. So uh, uh, let's let's get the pronunciation out of the way, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I saw it was, it's in the book, right? It's pronounced A A, wait, no, A S S dash H A. Am I remembering that correct? That sounds right, but we still don't, he doesn't say whether it's it's a hard A, A, Sha, or a soft It's got to be Asha, right? Because A S S is ass. Well, it shouldn't be right, but that's what it says. Where's this ASS? It's A-Y-E-S-H-A. No, 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 no. It's in one of the footnotes. Yeah, so I'm just going to see if I can find that. It's not coming up, so. Hmm. I pronounced. How about that? Yep. Asha. A-S-S-H-A. Is there a dash in there? No, there's no dash. Then you are wrong. I can't believe it's pronounced asshaw. <laughs> That's I don't believe that. I refuse either. to say that. <laughs> I, I I understand why why <laughs> one wouldn't want to say that, and that's probably why they've changed it. But it it does say that. Uh, pronounced Asha. Yeah, I thought it was no, Asha it also. Asha would much more would be much more acceptable. Okay, sufficiently dewormed. Okay, save that. Save that. That uh, uh, just a just a voice exercise. You know, you got to get. Right. So we're still we're in the warming up for right? the show. No, no, we're gonna, we're gonna start because uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard enough. This, this, oh wait! I, I have something that can keep us off track okay. for a second. All right, um, Misa, <laughs> I uh, I asked Jesse if I should get into the Three Musketeers, mm. and he told me that I should ask you if I should Absolutely. get into the Three Musketeers. Absolutely! Why haven't you started it already? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, so, like, what's it about? <laughs> Why are you taking the piss on us this morning? Uh, no, I, I'm serious. Like uh, I've been thinking, I should get into the three musketeers. It's it is what a, it's what is exactly what the title says. It's these three best friends who who go about writing the world. Oh, 
And, and, and their fourth, nice. and their fourth new friend, and their fourth the new countryside, friend, and their fourth new friend. Yes, and 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 you know, and and they're very. Each one of them is really well drawn out character, um, and you you just get to see the world from their perspectives. Isn't it a lot of like about the politics of France at that time, though? Uh, yes. Yes. But there's also sword duels, fights, tavern brawls, romances, chases, escapes, and it's just action, adventure. I, I like well written. Like it's just it's just it's a joy ride. Is it book. funny? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes, it's funny. It's Dumas, so it's got he puts in everything and turns the blender on high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was this like originally published in like newspapers? I think so. Was it? Mm. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, almost all of his stuff was serialized. I think. Uh, He's such a good writer, like just so good. And uh, that's not the one that uh, there's like five different long versions, but I think there is a pretty long version. It was published in serial form in the newspaper Lay. Um, I cannot pronounce French. S I E L A. between yeah. March and July, eighteen forty-four. That's not that. That can't be that long then. March and July is not that far. Unless the Three Musketeers was the book that I hated. Now I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but you I'm like a, the memory of it, even if you hated the right. the actuality of it. So. <laughs> well, I remember loving Dumas. Ah. And I remember reading a classical book over the past couple of years that I despised. Now, not, not the werewolf one. Huh? You didn't hate the werewolf one, did you? The werewolf one. You don't even remember the werewolf. We did one for this podcast on a werewolf. No, I like that. Okay, good. <laughs> I can't even remember the name <laughs> so of it. No, no, it was a long Just one. It's... It was it was a long classical book that I hated. Uh, the but... revenge one? You loved that Which one. Which one? The one for uh, about revenge. Maybe. Uh, That's the Count of Monte Cristo's Revenge. The wolf leader is the werewolf one. No, no, that was good. That was good. So we don't like the Count of Monte Cristo? No, we love, 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 love the Count of Monte Cristo. Absolutely no question there. Absolute love. I'm just wondering if the Three Musketeers was one that I didn't love. Sorry. Sorry, Evan. I cannot. Will, I cannot answer. All right, all right. Well, this is. I like that the Three Musketeers are becoming more and more a mystery the more I ask people about them. So, yeah, yeah, no, I I I I should just keep like doing an oral history of the (laughs) Three Musketeers. You know what? You have to read it and report back. Was it a love or was it a hate? Was it a love or was it a hate? Yeah. Um, I think that volume is like what the kids call like dummy thick. So, it might be a while before I get to it. Yeah, that could have been why. I need more people to review it so that I, I will know whether I should spend my time on it. Well, so you oh, said yeah, you read the the comic book, Jesse. Oh yeah, sure. I need that. I need that that uh, that gla- the water so I can look at it and look at my brain and see if I like. <laughs> Save it. Save it. <laughs> um, so I watched a, a movie once that was Zorro meets D'Artagnan. Wow. And oh my. for some reason, Zorro was like Spanish and in Spain in this version. And there was some kind of war between France and Spain. And uh, I right. think that like 
Zoro teamed up with D'Artagnan and the Three Musketeers to like show that the war was like a sham and stop the war. Peace next. Yeah, yeah. So that's like uh, my uh, only exposure to the Three Musketeers is this movie that didn't seem to like. We already did Zoro. Did you hear our Zoro show? No. Oh man, I'm it's sorry. A good one. I missed that. It's really I, good. Uh, I feel like he's like a really good character. He's um, he's, he's the first superhero. Yeah, and he's like, yeah. yeah, he's like, just like, I don't know. I've uh, I've gotten a little fixated on him. Yeah, he's, he's pretty great. He's great. He's he's got a bat cave. He's got like a Batmobile, except it's a horse. He's got the costume. He's got secret identity. He totally he's does. got the yeah the the mute butler. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got uh, villains. It's it's a comedy piece. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot like the original Batman uh, live action show. Yeah, well, I don't know yeah. how to get to Batman without Zorro. No, oh, well, dude, it's right in the uh, origin. Yeah, <laughs> right. He goes to the he goes to the movie theater with his parents, um, and in the back alley behind it, in Crime Alley, he gets he get his witnesses his parents' murders. And yeah, what movie did he go to homage. see? No, what movie did he? Go- he just came what? out of the movie theater having watched Zorro. Was it Mark of Zorro or yeah? It was Mark of Zorro. Yeah, and, and depending on which version of Batman it is, it's either the 1920 um, silent or it's the 1940 uh, uh, remake. Or Zorro the Gay Blade. Yeah, it's a great film. <laughs> I enjoyed that film a lot. It's a, it's a very entertaining film. <laughs> I'm, I'm breaking my brain thinking about poor Batman seeing that as his parents died. That's just no it's a very modern Batman. Excuse me. Uh, well, well, but to our mind, there's a bottom Batman now. So if you're going to follow the pattern, yeah, that's no. I mean, that's they still, pr- well, no, no, actually, the, the Banderas, uh, yeah, Jones it's one, much these more, days. much, much more, more mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Batman. All right, um, let's get started, shall we? Oh, okay, okay, Jesse. Just one thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll, I'll start the records. We'll do the. We'll do the run through, but I'm going to be quiet for a couple of minutes because I need to go flop laundry because of. Well, I'm going to have to spend five minutes explaining that problem, but but I, <laughs> we'll we'll start the recordings and everything. But I'm going to be quiet for a couple of minutes after that while I go handle that, and then I'll be back. Oh, how how many minutes? Because we could. Uh, uh, no, let's let's start the recording now because I also have pod, I also have gaming today, so let's get this started. I'll just be. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm Paul, and then I'm going to run off for a couple. Of minutes. <laughs> All Does right, that makes sense. All right. I'm going to ask you several questions. There's going to be very awkward pauses. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Jesse. Oh, wait. No, wait. Rewind. I have to press my recording. You got me. Wait a minute. What's the order? Uh, Trish is last, I think. Okay. Uh, Wait, maybe not. Uh, Will, how many have you been on? I've been on. This is my third. Okay, yes. Okay, so so Trish is last. Trish is last. last. Okay. Um, So it's Jesse. Paul, Misa, uh, Will, gonna, Trish. I was going to say Evan. <laughs> Will, you know, sorry, Trish. Jesse, Paul, Misa, Will, Trish. Yeah. Are you ready? R.I.P. Evan. <laughs> Don't answer to Evan, please. Don't make this harder <laughs> for me. Here we go. 